Hello. I hate this window. <laughs> oh. We know. We know. Sorry, everybody. Jeremiah. I hate this movie. Did not like this movie. We're just going to give it to you right at the beginning so you know up front. Randy liked this movie a lot. And so did our guest. It was Robbie Brown coming back again. Oh, I laughed so hard. I was getting spots. That was good. That was a good laugh. <laughs> We're talking about bones and all today. <laughs> um, and uh, we spoil quite a few things. Just, you know, a heads up that uh, we normally that, do. Yeah. We spoil a lot of things. So we spoil the whole movie. We also spoil the first season of Dexter. Uh, we spoil the movie May. <laughs> probably never heard of anyways. But, hey, <laughs> do if we, you have. Do we spoil Dexter? We spo- well, the first season. Yeah, there's some twists in there. So uh, we, we kind of spoil that. So. Anyways, we spoil a lot of stuff, so no, this one's not probably not for the children. Yeah, this is a this movie's got some intense stuff. I mean, this matters, movie is so about cannibalism. It's about cannibalism. If you didn't know that, you know now. So, <laughs> right, you didn't know that. But before we jump into this episode, which is great, by the way, it's a good conversation, a lot of back and forth. I like it a lot. Uh, we have to we have to give a shout out to our our, our fans uh, in Slovenia. Oh, um, yeah, I forgot about that. We, well, Jeremiah, take it away. Tell us. Tell hey, us what's up? Uh, you're listening to the number two film review podcast in all of Slovenia. What's up, guys? <laughs> I mean, thanks for being here. Like, well, that's, I mean. This isn't a goal that I set out to get, but it's something I got along the way. Yeah. Got, it just made my day. You know? Yes. We're happy that you're listening, whoever you are. Uh, but it's probably like um, three people, and three that people. makes it the number one. I mean, <laughs> sorry, the number two. The number two. I don't two. want to diss the number one. Yeah, uh, which uh, number two spot is is still in question. It uh, um, another pro- chart yeah, probably said not. it was we some, were uh, the, we were the 29th in the country. <laughs> it was some um, dude who just emailed <laughs> us out of nowhere for like podstatistics.com. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't trying to get this us man. excited, but this but was. Hey, a statistic that he quoted us, so you know we're gonna claim it. Bottom line is number two in Slovenia. We have listeners in Slovenia, What's and up, we Slovenians? appreciate you. So thank you for for listening. And um, you know, I, I got a pol- a fake Polaroid that I'll mail to one of you. Okay, if you're from <laughs> Slovenia and you hit me up, I got a, a bones and all Polaroid promo material. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna mail it straight to you. Or, you know, if somebody... Actually, why don't we just mail them a, f- a real Polaroid <laughs> of you and I of, of you of and I posing. At Bones <laughs> and the movie. And then we sign it. Yes, there you go. But anyways, yep, thanks. No matter what country you're in, we appreciate you, <laughs> listeners. Uh, we, we don't know why you stick around, but we're glad you do. <laughs> so... Uh, but today we're talking about bones and all. It's a movie that's uh, it's a love story, but it's uh, pretty graphic and it's so, a love story between two cannibals uh, that also meet other cannibals along the way. There you so, go. Uh, so normally we don't spoil things in the intro, but uh, like, uh, today's an exception. I guess. I mean, that's so, not a spoiler. That's that's a you. It is when I didn't know any I of it mean, going but in. That's so. like a that's like a get your kids out of here. It's like get a trigger word. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The gig, get, your, get your kids out of here. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, here we go. Bones and all. This is about movies. Woo. That's what I want. <laughs> like, I actually I'm being know. specific because I know what I want. So. I know. I'm not, I'm not throwing out random numbers here. <laughs> like, Can you I, turn it up a little bit? A little bit, little bit less? More? Well, that's my thing. To me, yes. to I me, know. exact numbers 
is more helpful. Only because if you know saying, ahead like, of time the bit. exact number. I know, but I mean, I guess the thing is, if you just learn decibels in increments of three, like I know what that sounds like. Three is where you're like, oh, it's changed. Like it's mm, a Yeah, but most people wouldn't even know that. Or like most people have no idea that like a step of 10 is this many times louder or like 20 is a, 20 is 100 times louder. I think that's right. I don't actually know. Yeah, I don't know. Because some people say that like three is double, but it, you don't perceive it that way. No. Decibels are weird. I just know three, it's similar to BPM. Three BPM is where you notice the tempo has changed. Like, I, don't, I don't feel like that would be, not for me. Well, I, I mean think, like. I don't think I'd tell the difference between 121 and 124. I guess trained, the study that was done was on like trained musicians. Oh, okay. And that's where they go. Like if they're listening to 121 and they're playing to it and they go up to 122, they don't notice, go up to 123. And they, when they hit 124 is when they're like, we're faster now. I actually feel like I'm doing something yeah. different now. Yeah. Like three is where, is like how much you have to change for your brain to really be like, this is a different tempo. Mm. So similarly, I know what three decibels feels like in like six and nine. <laughs> I always do it in groups of three. So to me, that's just more helpful than being like, can I get a little less of this or a lot more of that? Like, yeah, that's also, so, Little's relative that's so to not each helpful, person. Yeah. It's, it's relative to the sound, man. So that's why I, I ask for changes in numbers. And then the sound guys are like, we don't actually look at the number. And I'm like, well, that's just <laughs> douchey because it's not hard. It's literally you touch it and it tells you, well, you how much you moved it. You so can. Just do what I asked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you want me to come back there and move the knob uh, for you? <laughs> that's what I actually do most of the time for in-ear stuff. <laughs> Which is also mean, but most of them are okay with <laughs> Like, I'll do it. Uh, I don't care. I'll walk back there and they just step away. Thank you. Okay. You go. <laughs> Robbie gets up. Everybody stops playing. He walks all the way to the back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not as picky as I sound. Like, I can live with a lot. Like, I've played with really bad sounding ears and been fine. But no, I just think that's hilarious. When you have the time and the like stuff is capable of sounding really good. You make it sound good. Yeah. The better you can hear, the better you can play. Especially drumming, because that's all you can hear. I can't pop <laughs> a I strong disc to all those deaf drummers out there. Okay. So. <laughs> that's not what I meant. The better <laughs> you the better you feel the bass drum I don't know. I just mean there are people that are like, my ears sound bad, and they pop one out and are like, I'll just like kind of feel the room. And I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm in a box. Yeah, your whole room is just, just you. If I did that, I would go deaf and <clears throat> only be able to hear myself. Yeah, that's what shocked me about playing drums or even like messing around on them one time. I was mm-hmm. like, this is way too loud. <laughs> Were you in a... Uh, no, no. It was just like a regular sized room. And like as soon as I started hitting the cymbal, I was like, it was yeah. like... And I was like, oh, that's so loud. I was going to say, drums uh, in an open room are way quieter. If you sit behind a drum set in an open room, mm-hmm. it's five times quieter than if you're behind a shield. So like... There's so much four louder. Four decibels. <laughs> no, I'm talking 30... <laughs> 32 decibels. If we're going to use numbers, <laughs> let's use numbers, okay? Let's not. 
it's a ton. Like yeah, if yeah. you if you're sitting there playing and someone put up a shield around you, it's no like way. Oh, way, it's, way it's louder. immediately just bouncing right back at you. Like yep. yeah, it goes right at your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we hear it every Sunday when the Nova turns their mic on for half a second. And it's just like <laughs> yeah. we're like, oh god, were you asking just, something, <laughs> dude? I just blew my ears out. So. <laughs> the worst is a. Uh, when someone has is standing behind the drums to do like to start talking after we're done playing, oh and yeah, they turn their mic on uh-huh. while they're standing back there. And I'm like, why on earth would you? Why? Because <laughs> that's like, that's in all of our in ears, and we can't we can't unhear it. Like, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. I do, yeah, I do like it when that's the reaction. It's like. Hey, can I turn off? Turn off. Turn off. <laughs> Walk away. Walk away. Then ask. At least turn your head away and like cover them. Cover it. <laughs> hey, I can't yeah. hear anybody. You just hear them. They're like, you're like, you know, you're in a tornado. <laughs> you know what? You think I can hear you? You know what's really wild? We have such a quiet drum setup. Like the our cymbals are like the quietest cymbals <laughs> ever. Yeah, but you put them in a like amplifier. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> they're inside of a That is that is the tough a thing. horn <laughs> that just <laughs> a quiet amplifying horn. Yeah. When people when people argue like drum shield versus no drum shield and stuff, it's tough because it's like it's not as simple as drum shield makes it quieter. You're making it way louder in a specific direction and spot. Mm -hmm. And so, like, even the way the drums sound and, like, the way you have to EQ and tune them, completely different than if it was open. Oh, yeah. It would change everything. Mm -hmm. Even, like, how the mic's picking it up. If it's, it's like, an omnidirectional or, like, a sphere, you're going to get, like, twice as much. If you're in an open room, there's way less mic bleed between stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Do any like bands use drum shields? Some do. I'm not talking about for studio recording. I'm talking about for live performances. Yeah. Some that is the main thing is just that church stuff, everything's way quieter mm-hmm. and that's why people want shields. Yeah, once you're blaring it but 110 when, decibels, it, you don't have to have the even shield. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm saying like I've yeah. never seen a drum shield on a con- at a concert before. What's more common so is curious. there's a company there's multiple companies now. They're called Shy Baffles, and it's basically just small pieces of drum shield almost, like pieces of acrylic people put on cymbal stands mm-hmm. right in front of the cymbals. So you're open, like you're not behind a big chunk of a thing, Yeah. but it does kind of cut the cymbals out a little bit from who people in front of the kit. So concerts are more likely to have stuff like that. Okay. But especially when you get into really big venues... <clears throat> Yeah. Like if you're in an amphitheater outside or if you're in like 10,000 seat room or bigger, you can't hear the drums. Yeah, if you get, or <laughs> if you can play mics. some sufficiently far away from everything else, yeah. you're good. Because even in smaller theaters, the main thing is just volume. Also, LED panels make it worse, especially LED panels that aren't um, like translucent, like denser ones that are thick. Oh, it just reverbs it back at you. Yeah. Um, because there's like bougier LED panels that are like see-through, mm-hmm. like they're really thin. Those aren't as bad because air can go through them, which this is more on that. The Paramore show 
last week, two weeks ago, whenever I was saw Paramore, they had a big LED wall, and it was like that. So they had lights behind it mm-hmm. that shot through the wall, and it was the coolest thing ever. Because nice. <laughs> like they would have just solid color, and then it would go to like a pattern, and there'd be like blank, like dead spots in it, and then they'd have a light shining through it from behind it. Mm. It was really cool. Well, I was hoping to uh, to have some like finger food or something for this <laughs> particular episode. But That's a good one. Uh, I thought we might just get us. We should have got double cheeseburgers for the menu. We should have. I mean, we still should because honestly, <laughs> after watching that scene in the menu, I was like, "Man, we don't have a place that makes a cheeseburger that good." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you'd have to like. We'd have to go somewhere. Well, I'm, we'd I have to go to like Jack go to Browns to, or something yeah. like, or like, go to Mugshots and be like, "Make a burger like this." Listen. Listen, listen, listen to me. Do it like this. <laughs> I mean, go to mugshots and be like, and then they burn it anyways. <laughs> <You're> like, no, <laughs> God. <laughs> you go to mugshots, and be like, don't get it out of the freezer. I'm gonna come back there. <laughs> I got some some fresh beef that hasn't been frozen, and you're gonna cook <laughs> like, it for like you hand it to me. Like use this. Sixty five percent of what you'd normally cook this. <laughs> I'll time it out here. It to me. I'll time it. <laughs> On one side, put onions. <laughs> My, I saw it with my older brother over Thanksgiving, and right when he flipped the onions on top, and then he flipped them under, he went, ooh. I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah, that's a good idea. He's hey. like, that, I, that's a good idea. <laughs> like, good yeah, idea. it's really good. I, don't some, like, I mean, some places do that. I don't like onions, but I was still just like, this thing would be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of food in this movie, bones and all, not the menu. Before oh. we before we watched it, you sure didn't want to talk about the menu? <laughs> Have y'all done a menu episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah we okay. did. <laughs> I was thinking y'all had perfection. Um, it's so great. Uh, before we watched Bones and All, my mom was like, "What should we eat for dinner?" And I was like, "I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna eat food before I go see this." She was like, "Well, I was gonna make spaghetti," and I was like, "I'm definitely I'm not, not eating spaghetti." <laughs> oh God. So then the next day for lunch, I was eating leftover spaghetti and I was just like, so glad I didn't eat this before. Well, you like wipe red off of your mouth and you're like, oh, noodles and sauce and meatballs. Like I have some, I have some jerky. You want some jerky? (laughs) Got some small intestines and blood. I mean, spaghetti for you. Mm. (laughs) Okay. So. I'm excited for this conversation. This stupid Polaroid. You <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. We could talk about this Polaroid real quick. This beautiful Polaroid. We went and saw this. We, we saw Bones and All in the theater together. And uh, there was one other person in the theater with us. Well, well, I yeah, was two. I, I know. Okay, there's one other person. All right. Okay, all right, all right, all right, There's one all right. person. They were sitting by themselves a few rows back behind us. All right. And then this guy came in. And he looked like he worked there, and he walked up and sat next to that person, and then he left, and then he came back, and he just he did this several times throughout the movie. The first time was actually pretty funny because uh, you guys know me; they for whatever reason our theater likes to leave the theater door open all the time, <laughs> and you can just hear the lobby music while you're watching your movie. And so I will always kick the kickstand up and mm-hmm. close the door when I go into the theater. He he came in like right behind me and opened it and kicked it back open again. <laughs> I was like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> so the whole movie, 
I could hear the lobby music the entire time. And I was like, I mean, eventually you just got to get used to it. But it was like for the first half of the movie, I was like, gosh, I don't want to hear pop music while this scene is playing out. Michael Bubble singing Christmas music. I don't know why they do that. Like, I don't know if it's a security thing or if they're, if it's literally like, oh, this makes my job easier thing. Well, I I have no idea, but I think it's like, I mean, if you go to like a nice theater, I'm sure I have. I can't speak from experience. I'm sure if you went to like an arc light, I imagine a nice theater would do this. Well, I've been. Oh, okay, okay. I've been to nice theaters. I mean, I'm sure if you go to like an arc light or something. Back in the day, the doors are open, and when the movie is starting, they shut the doors. Yes. Oh, I'd say a nice theater. There's a guy up front, and he like holds it open for you. Malco is like, we have the doors open, so you like you. It's like this is clearly you're like you go in here kind of thing, but then. They have two employees on the premises, yeah. if that, and so they just all get left open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, it's fine. It's just I thought it was funny that he yeah, kicked but, it back but, open after but when I we shut them. Yeah. <laughs> we, like after the movie started, if it is shut, why are you opening it? Yeah. Back? That's a uh, that's another thing about uh, to talk about my favorite theater, Sidewalk in Birmingham, Alabama. They have two screens, and you walk down a hallway. And then turn, and it's like the screens are like back to back, mm-hmm. and so it's two rooms facing each other. So there's this like corridor area with a door to the left and a door to the right, and then the two posters mm-hmm. for which is in which side. The doors are shut. You get there, and you, the moviegoer, open said door. You walk in, and then there's a six foot like airlock <laughs> with like sound treatment in it, and the you the door shuts behind <laughs> you, and you open a second door and go in. And I was like, "This is the stuff." Like, there's a theater. The one of the theaters in my hometown had it wasn't sound treated, but they had like an airlock. Where yeah, it was like there were two doors you had to go through. Yep. I mean, just having that would cut it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Also, half the doors in in the theater that we're at, like. Like when I kicked the kickstand up and I let it swing mm-hmm. close, it's like bang. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's that it does maybe, not. Maybe that's slow why they want it left open all the time. It's like yeah, really, so it makes a lot of noise. But really, really <laughs> loose wooden doors to keep the people that are getting up and down from slamming the door all the time. I guess that would probably be maybe more annoying than a constant stream of pop music. Yeah, that's but you true. can just put like little, like little tiny. Or one of those things on the door that on the slows door. it down. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, like, let's not say that's $15. For a dollar, <laughs> you can get, like, a, a cotton ball and, like, Put nail in it in the yeah. corner. Yeah. That's how tacky. A bunch of cotton balls nailed into... Hey, I'm just trying to save the I like money how you, time. I like how you went to nail a cotton ball to the door. Well, My I, mind I was like, I'm just going like, to, like... Use some super glue or something like uh, nailing. Well, I, was think, it. I was thinking like foam disc, but then I couldn't oh, okay. remember the I word. Was thinking like, like foam, so like I was those like, things cotton thing, <laughs> just like an adhesive foam strip. The weakest, yeah, yeah. That's that's where I was originally going, but you know, just and then you were like, "Well, that." I was like, "Well, that'd be like fifteen dollars for like ten cents. You could get a cotton ball and nail it into the door." Oh my gosh! I will say though, Malco looks and sounds very good. It so. does. Yeah, yeah. No, we like our theater. It's just it's got some quirks. <laughs> the, uh, Ooh, the one I went to in Georgia over Thanksgiving when I was rewatching the menu with my older brother. It was, oh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, it was like a huge room, but they only had like 20, well, I don't know. It's probably more than that, like 40 seats. 
but every seat was like this huge recliner oh, that was an electric I hate recliner. Those. Yeah, I don't like I those theaters. So and then you can, uh, I mean, you could like, <laughs> and every every uh, seat on the armrest had a table to hold all your stuff. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. I don't like that stuff because it makes me feel really, maybe this isn't the right word, but exposed or vulnerable. Like if I'm like reclining, it feels weird that there's to. like no, I know, but like, <laughs> it's like but when I, it's there, I'm gonna. Well, I mean, like <laughs> the theater that I've only been to, I've only been to the one theater that that's had that. Like I don't know, it just felt like really it was like leather seats. So if it was mm-hmm. cold in the theater, your seat was freezing. So you always had to bundle up to go to this theater, no matter what time of year it was. <laughs> it just always felt weird to me when people would have to walk past you. To get to their seat, and you're oh, just there's, like, there's, "Hey, what's up?" Like, no, pl- I don't know. It just there was plenty know, of room like in the it, aisle. It was like, no, there's six plenty of room. It just feels weird that I'm laying down and they're like <laughs> walking around, like with their popcorn and like. Excuse on, me, excuse on me. A, I'm like, Hi. speaking of that, I saw on Reddit some Swedish. They had posted some Swedish theater where, like, on the left side, they had couple beds. It it wasn't like a flat bed, but it was very reclined. A sleep pod kind of looking thing and i was like i don't know about that i know <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh i just this is gonna sound super obnoxious i don't want to be in like a passive position uh-huh. watching a movie yeah i'm i don't know i don't <laughs> you want to you want to be tensed up sitting up no but i mean even at my house if i was like a millionaire and had a big bougie screening room at my house it would have the most not the most upright, but just normal chairs. It would not be big recliners I would lounge back in. I would sit in a chair like this. Like this is the most casual type chair I'd be in. I'd have I'd have I'm the electric recliners, baby. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't mind a recliner. built into the bottom right side. Yeah. I don't mind a recliner, but I don't like laying down to watch a movie. Yeah. Like I feel like if I'm laying down, then I'm having to like I can't watch a movie sideways oh, the, but the op- i have to like prop my I mean, head up so like then my neck's hurting to lie so down, like, but the options there if you no, want I, to use it. It. I know it but it's like a weird business it's a weird <laughs> choice because it's like okay you're trying to make is this supposed to be like fancy or is this like you're trying to bring the comforts of home to the theater well i like that's it. the case then and speaking of things that i have an <laughs> opinion on Wait, but okay. differs from you two. Wait, wait, wait. Randy hasn't finished. Yeah, I the haven't Polaroid finished the story. story. We left. No, we left was, everybody hanging. I was just interrupting you. So th- I know, but I like where you're going with it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm excited about today's episode. So, anyways, <laughs> the quality of the seats at Malco are fine. <laughs> oh no, they're good. They're good. The uh, the employee that kept coming in and going, coming and going. So about halfway, I don't know, halfway through the movie, probably. At this least, happened? yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I was very on edge the whole time I was watching this movie. I told you guys this right after the, like, as soon as the credits started rolling, I was like, um, guys. Uh, so, and I was just like, I, for whatever reason had this like intense, like feeling that I needed to like be aware of my surroundings, like that se- sense of being watched that like kind of like hair standing up on the back of your neck, like you're in danger feeling. I never get that watching movies. I never get that watching scary movies. I got it watching this movie. (laughs) And I, I knew that there was just one person behind us in my mind. My imagination likes to go nuts with stuff. So I'm like, 
Who is this one person? Why are they watching this movie by here? themselves at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night? Why are they, you know, like all these things of mine are like, oh my gosh, like all this stuff. And I'm like, maybe you should just like look around, just make sure that you're safe. And I'm like, no, you're being an idiot, Randy. Get a real good you're obviously your safe. You're fine. But my, but my mind's like, no, maybe you should look around or whatever. And like, as all this is going through my mind, like this employee comes back into the theater again and I see him. And instead of going back up to his seat, he walks up to me and I'm like, you know, like, what the heck? Like, who, why are you like walking up to me in the middle of this movie? And he hands me a stack of papers, like little square, like little handout things. And it's dark, so I can't see what they are. And he goes, hey, hey. And he hands them to me and I'm like, what, what are you, like, what's going on right now? Uh, and so I take them and then he walks away and I'm like, I don't even think I said anything. I think I just grabbed him and yeah. just like like looked at him and was realized that it was like uh, a stack of fake Polaroid pictures that are like promo material for the movie that we're watching. It's like a little souvenir, little yeah. thing that you're supposed to. Oh yeah, I saw the movie. I I don't know why, like why, but I guess if you liked it and you wanted to put it up on your cork board in your room or whatever, I don't know. So like, I just had a handful of these now, I had like nine or ten of these things, and I'm like. <laughs> What do I do? So then I handed Jeremiah actually had to tell me what it was. I was so like, like befuddled by this. So I handed you some, and then you handed it to Robbie, and Robbie just kind of looked at it like, "Why are you interrupting this?" Movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and which I was like, "Yeah, that's the kind of the feeling I had of like, what is going on?" Like, I don't know. It's funny. It's funny to me. Like we're talking about like what seats we like to sit in, what seats we don't like to sit in. Uh, earlier before we started recording, you were talking mm. about adjusting audio in your in-ears when you're playing music by 3 dB and, and how being particular like that can come off as like being yeah. kind of like a jerk or whatever. I feel like I have a way that I like to watch movies and when people don't either don't understand that or they their way is just so different than mine, it's almost like I have to take a minute to kind of like try to see the world from their perspective <laughs> because I'm like, and, and like nothing against, like, I know I like to watch movies a certain way. I don't like to be interrupted. I don't, I like it to be very quiet. I don't like a lot of talking. Talking sometimes is okay, but I like to just enjoy the movie for what it has to offer. I'm not going to be like picky about it. Like if I'm with a group of people that like to talk, then we're going to talk. I, I just know that, you know, I'm not going to try and force them to watch the movie the way I want to watch it. But it's funny when I'm like really into something and somebody who clearly does not have the same, <laughs> like, I guess way of watching a movie, just like, so somebody walking up to you in the middle of a movie is weird. I think normally mm -hmm. <laughs> it's even more weird for me when I'm like super focused on the film and I'm like, why, unless there's an emergency, why are you, <laughs> why are you doing this? Sir, Anyways, have to leave. I think the guy was just trying to be nice. We <laughs> were the only people there watching that movie. And he was like, Hey, they might, obviously they're going to like some promo material for this movie. So here's nine of them. So thank you, whoever you are. If you're listening to this, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't appreciate the interruption. No, but, but I do you appreciate know, the polar. Yeah. The thought, the thought. <laughs> I like it. I was I was the middle guy there. You're fine. Do whatever. You're fine. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> Anyways, now that I've made myself sound like a pretentious jerk. Oh, um, I could I could sound uh, worse. <laughs> do not do not. As you know, I'm way more <laughs> way more intense. I say I was gonna say I look at people if they breathe too loud. That's not true. I if I'm watching a movie, I've had people like I've <laughs> I've been in the theater with people in a movie I've already seen 
Like this is my second or third time oh, watching no. it. And people will like ask me a question and I just act like they're not there. Oh, no. <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> like didn't even glance. Like my I'm looking at the screen. I so I will say the first time with Robbie, I, w- I was watching something. It was at Randy's house and we were watching. <laughs> oh, was it Parasite? Oh, no. We were watching uh, Euphoria. Oh. Uh, the, the Rue episode or the, or the Jules oh, one episode? Of the, one of them. One of those. Yeah. Like, no, that would have been after Parasite. Oh yeah, uh, but second time. You, uh, <laughs> it was just me and Robbie and Randy, and like he, Randy's going to turn off the lights in the corner of the room, and Robbie looks at me and goes, "You're not going to talk during this." Are you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was like, uh, I mean. If it's bad, yeah, <laughs> probably. But Euphoria is not going to do me like that. And he was like, "All right." <laughs> um, I would like to say that I think it's okay when people have ways that they want to, that they like to enjoy media. I think it's okay for people to, uh, you know, like to talk in movies and all that stuff. What I think is good, though is if you have people that are on both sides of that, like in both mm-hmm. sides, there's all, it's a spectrum. But like if you have people who like it to be quiet and you have people that like to talk to the movies, just have a quick conversation before you start something. <laughs> and be like, hey, this is kind of what I, I like to watch movies this way. Is that okay with you? And mm-hmm. if it's not, then be okay with that. Or no, you know, maybe you just shouldn't watch movies with those people because that's just kind <laughs> yeah. of like... Just mark it down in your notebook. Just know Do that. Do not you watch know? movies Like with. for example, I mean... <laughs> I love uh, Matthew Wilcox. I'm going to talk about you on this podcast. You've been on here enough. <laughs> I love Matthew, and I like watching movies with Matthew. But I, I know don't. that there's certain movies that I'm not going to watch with Matthew because, one, he probably won't care about them. And, two, he likes to talk in movies. He likes to talk. He likes to interact with it. And yeah. there are some movies where the movie is made to be interacted with, and it's more fun when you interact with it. I like watching Marvel movies with Matthew because it's fun to interact with those movies. I think they're better when you talk with them. Um, <clears throat> they just I enjoy them much more when I have a communal experience with the theater. Uh, Matthew doesn't like horror movies, um, but I like watching horror movies with friends who talk because horror movies are better with friends who talk. They're just way more fun. I mean, it, it depends on the film, obviously. I, I think something like Hereditary or something like that, it's, I, don't, I don't know. I watched that with Caleb, mm-hmm. with Westbrook. I don't think we talked, but I think we had a lot of like, we okay? Everything okay? <laughs> Moments like where we kind of yeah. like looked at each other or, or like, you know, audibly reacted to things mm-hmm. and it was like whatever. But like, That's all I'm right. saying is, yes, don't be pretentious, Robbie. Don't be pretentious. <laughs> but if like, it's okay for you to be that. It's okay for you to be that when it's just you. But when there's other people, it's more important to yeah, be if you're, there. if you're there with a the crowd, I'll say it this way. To the crowd. I'll say it this way. The people are more important than the movie. Right. Yeah even if it may not seem that way at the time. Because you might be super excited about this movie or whatever movie you're watching, you know. Mm-hmm. So Just remember that. People are more important than the movie. That gave me a two things. <laughs> One. <laughs> I, you, I literally thought you were doing a piece oh. on Andy. Like, it's okay, but. No. <laughs> All right, yeah, I don't know if we established this last time we talked with you on the podcast, but Robbie likes to hold his fingers up to remind himself that he has something to say. So, <laughs> But it also is a way of like, Passive aggressively interrupting <laughs> because Ouch. it lets us know that he has well, something to I, say no, as well. So it's passive. I don't. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good way to. 
when you, uh, when you get around passive aggressive, it doesn't mean it's bad. No, it's just passive. When you get around other people that won't stop talking, like right now, he's still holding up two fingers. It's his <laughs> way of letting us know that he does have something to say. But he's, if anything, he it's, it's the opposite of passive aggressive because okay. he's not All right. interrupting. All right. I redact my statement. <laughs> <laughs> when we watched Evil Dead 2, yes, me, Randy, and Caleb watched Evil Dead 2 in... You, Randy. I don't know if I should address the listener or you. Oh, <laughs> listener. Randy told me and Caleb. It was like, That's right. I forgot about this. <laughs> we're talking during this, and me and Caleb were like, mm, and he was like, no, like, no, you are. If something's funny, <laughs> state it out loud. Like, just it will be better if we, if we are not silent. That was also. Oh gosh. This wasn't the other finger, but it's like also the worst movie I've ever seen. No, <laughs> uh, Theo, the goodest boy, Caleb's dog uh-huh. at the time, kept farting. Oh gosh, yeah. And it was like that. Whenever I see Evil Dead Two, it's like this like smell association. <laughs> oh, oh god, of like, yeah. That's my memory of that movie. It was having the best time, but the worst the smell. The worst smell. <laughs> They say memory and scent are cl- very closely related. Yeah, it's it was so intense. Like every, every time you see Evil Dead 2, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so the other one is, though, I was going to say, I've gotten much better the past few years about like watching movies with differing uh-huh. <laughs> styles. A month or two ago, I showed Tootsie to a group of friends of mine, uh-huh. and there was some... Going in, I was like, these. there's a few talkers in this group. I just... There's, they're definitely talkers. It was so intense. Like, people having conversations during scenes. <laughs> like, there'd be an actor would come up and someone just full volume across would be like, oh, that's that, that's that guy from that other thing, right? 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 And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I envision Robbie. This is like Robbie's Robbie hell. pulling yeah. the <laughs> remote up, pausing it, and standing up and going, yes, he was in that movie. Any more questions? <laughs> That's no? The thing. Good. That's the thing, Play. though. You have to know, like, you at least know, you, ha- you have to know who you're watching a movie with. Yeah. Because if you're with people, that that's just how they do it. Like, you can't hold them to this, like, intense standard that, yeah. like, Anytime there's a spectrum and there's people who defer one way, it's like if you like the room hot or you like the room cold. Yeah. The people who like the room cold, you, I'm sorry, you got to defer to us because if it's hot, then there's no way those people can like yeah. take off enough clothes. You can fix being cold. You yeah. Can't you fix can wear a blanket hot. if it's a cold room and you just have to put on another blanket. I'm sorry. That's just how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> But at least having always, that conversation ahead of time. Defer, yeah. But that's the thing. Like, if you're a person, like, that's a good example because if you're a person that's like, hey, we like the room really cold when we're going to watch, you know, whatever, then starting off by saying, but for those of you uh, who it's mm-hmm. too cold for, we have blankets right here. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the literally blankets. best possible first, like, because then you're, you're like thinking of those other people. So if you're watching a movie like that, you, you know, if you're going to watch, if you get your friends together to watch Silence. <laughs> you don't don't torture people by like inviting people that just like to talk during movies to watch that with you because then yeah. if or, you're like if, if you you're like hey when you watch this movie <laughs> I want you to fight every instinct in you because <laughs> that's not going to be fun for them or like you know, we were saying like, that give them ahead of time and you get like a muffling thing and strap it on their heads. <laughs> 
You, go, you, you get talk, a muzzle. You talk it's as a, much as you want, buddy. The, the pawn shop in Pulp Fiction. Oh you don't take God. that off your mouth, then. Yeah, the okay. big red apple mute. In. Yeah, jeez. Uh, I mean, it might be something that you like. You just say, "Hey, this is. I'd like to watch this movie. Is this something you'd be interested in?" But I will say that it's like it's one that you like like have to be quiet through and they may just say no and that's great that's yeah. fine i oh, think could you imagine people being self-aware enough to say no to that maybe i don't know I, I don't know i think a lot of that you know them you know the people and i'm i'm saying yeah. you this mm -hmm. is the the you know. collective you i'm not mm -hmm. talking to just yeah. you robbie i'm talking to me because i also am like i have been very pretentious at certain points in my life when it comes to watching movies I think a lot of people thought I was when I first moved here <laughs> and I sat through the credits mm -hmm. and everyone just kind of like got up and left oh, me there okay. <laughs> because and literally left the theater. I walked outside and was like, oh, no one's like here to even talk about the movie. They just literally left me. And That's I was wild. like, I, because I came from a place like, you know, in LA, like my friends and I, we just watched the credits, like just mm -hmm. what we did. And so nowadays it's funny because almost like so many times we'll be sitting there and people will be like, there's nothing at the end. Like they're trying to do me well, a favor, well, but yeah, I'm like, I, I know it's okay. I'm not actually, I don't care about the thing either that or like they won't say anything and they'll infer uh -huh. that you're implying by sitting there that there is something. So they'll sit back down. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, that's huh? yeah. That's the thing. I feel really bad. Cause it's like, no, I'm just, I'm just, kinda, it's like my way of like paying my respects to the people who created the film. It's also a nice time to like sit and just thoughtfully digest what I just watched before yeah. I start talking about stuff. Yeah. It's just my way. This is my thing, you know, or, you know, I imagine you do the same thing too, Robbie. But, like, me and my friends back in L.A., that's kind of just what we did. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean everybody has to stay and watch the credits, but you're <laughs> right. A lot of times people will look at us staying for, for, for a movie and be like, oh, is there something at the end? And they'll sit back it's down, and I'm like, what do I tell mm -hmm. that person? Like, I don't <laughs> No, we're just watching the credits, and they're like, no, you, you turn around and go, this is the proper way to watch a no, movie? No. Like, Randy, you turn around and you say, every one of those names is a human being that's just as sentient as you that devoted a minimum of six months, if not two or three years of their life, to give you what we just watched. You pay so your respect. you sit there and let your eyes glaze oh over while gosh. their name rolls oh by. Oh, my gosh. You sit there and let your eyes... I like that. Let your eyes You sit glaze. there and let your eyes glaze over. You think about that. Well, I hope we learned something here today. I don't know. <laughs> that was a good episode. I loved it. Bones and All is great, and Jeremiah is wrong. Ooh. <laughs> Let's kick it off. I, I think I'm going to try to be a different person. Okay. No, don't. Just not be a, yourself. No, no, no. This, like, this is the person I want to be. Okay. Okay. He's <laughs> trying to be a better I'm person. I'm trying to be I a gotcha. better person. So you, you like this movie now? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> But I'm, what I'm going to try not to do is argue it like, because I didn't like it, okay. no one can like it, though I really want to. <laughs> That's good. That's kind of, I mean, I think in many ways you're you're being more mature than I am when I talk about Marvel movies, because I, I kind of come from a place of like, I didn't like it, so... It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I say, the difference so, yeah. is... Uh, We'll see. We'll see how good. Yeah. We'll see how we'll well. See it how goes. you do. We'll try and push you to the limits of that. <laughs> I even, think the I think the breakdown is going to be when I'm like when I say I didn't like it, and you're like why, and then I'm like I can't talk about that, and you're like we're on a podcast, Jeremiah, and then be like oh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the reason it's bad is 
the difference between Bones and all in Marvel movies is as much as Jeremiah might dislike this movie, <laughs> he can sense that human beings that cared to make it <laughs> spent time on making it. I, I, um, they actually drove to Nebraska and <laughs> pulled yeah, over. I mean, they definitely spent time on, on making nature. it. The the thing <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't think I don't get is if they knew why or like understood why or what the yeah. writer of the movie was trying to get at well let's talk about let's i think that's a, a good discussion to have and we will have it because i think all of us have something to say about that but let's start off by giving the audience something because we've just like meandered for like 45 <laughs> minutes now or whatever i mean welcome been. to the podcast so uh yeah no for sure but i want to give people something so they stick around for a little bit so um instead of just getting into kind of these ethereal conversations about the film let's just like quickly break down or just kind of give our initial like our impression just our basic impression of the movie i'll i didn't know it was about cannibalism (laughs) so when i saw this film i was very shocked when uh our main character bit off the finger of another girl to sleep a sleepover attempted to bite Um, the finger attempted i was mostly successful yeah got got most of the good bits off of it uh sound design tells me she was very successful um (laughs) i can still hear it i don't like (laughs) oh my god well this might be my memory she only took like she like degloved it right yeah that's why it's it's so much worse that way. But yeah, it wasn't took, clean. Just take the whole finger, girl. I mean, she didn't get the bone. No, but like she got muscle. Like, yeah, like I would imagine got, it's like a carrot, and, and that's she, all it is. She right? broke bone. You hear her yeah. like crunch into the bone. Ugh, 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 <laughs> okay, uh, we'll definitely have to gonna, like if you're gonna warn people my in the finger, intro. <laughs> take, so, the, take <laughs> the whole finger, please, cannibals. <laughs> Uh, That's what like, I was expecting. I, would, I was expecting yeah. the clean kind of chomp and the fingers gone and just squirt, squirt blood. Off. And oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Yep. But when she's like savoring it, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. it not being a clean like golem biting Frodo's fingers off yeah. is so much worse. It <laughs> being like, oh, I feel like if I was that girl, I would have stuck my finger back in her mouth and be like, you take it off. Finish the Bones and all. You do the bones and all. You don't That's do that to me. If she did that and said bones and all, I, I would have laughed <laughs> out loud. I would like, <laughs> Excuse me, little girl. You don't deglove my finger. Drops. Oh my gosh, that's a different movie. Take it, bones and all. <clears throat> oh, bones and all. <laughs> so you didn't know it was about cannibals. Well, okay. So I I saw the trailer. The You Want It Darker trailer? I don't remember. Did it have a song going? I don't remember. Dang. I don't remember because I, d- I just remember like a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours sent it to us and was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I haven't heard of this movie. Let me watch this trailer. And I think I must have been doing something else while I was watching it mm. because I remember thinking, oh, yeah, Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. Are in a movie together <laughs> about that's basically like um, that racist. No, no, I just it looked like Zendaya I mean, from my memory. Yeah. Like, is it racist? I'm sorry. Well, there you go. No, you can confuse people. I confuse actors all the it's time, fun. so I sh- <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay. Um. So, anyways, plus, plus they he is off of them being in Dune together, so it's, they're already a pair. Yeah, and my you mind's see. making connections of like, okay, so. Yeah. I, I thought, oh, that's cool. They did another movie together. Mm-hmm. Again, 
I don't remember anything from the trailer, so yeah. I mixed the actors up, whatever. So I remember thinking, oh, this is like, what's the movie with uh, the two girls who are on the run from the law? Um, um, Thelma and Louise? Yeah. I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, this is like a Thelma and Louise, but like it's like a couple and they're like on the run and they have to, but they're like, they're like killing people mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I didn't realize that they were eating people. Okay. okay. Yeah. I just thought, and I don't know how much actually is shown in the trailer. I, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I just remember I probably was only halfway watching it, which is why I thought it was a day, yeah. which is whatever. I guess. So we get to this movie and this whole thing starts and it's like the dad has his, the dad locks her in her room and I'm like, that's weird. I wonder why he's locked her in her room. It didn't even like register. I just was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And then she goes, she sneaks out. I was like, oh, yeah, there's screws. The window's screwed or the screen's screwed in. Mm-hmm. So she's definitely snuck out before. Like, this is a thing. That's probably what it was. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had friends in high school whose parents did that stuff because they snuck out so often. I was like, okay, yeah, I get this. All right, cool. And then she goes to this friend's house and, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, maybe she's like, Okay, I guess maybe she's a lesbian because she's pretty like, like she's into this. Person. She's <laughs> thirsting after this girl yeah, right she now, like, hardcore. She like and she's and like, the other girl is like, yeah. kind of like okay mm-hmm. with it. So it's like, all right, cool. Okay, I guess they're like maybe you know they're seeing where things go and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, even the girl, <laughs> the other girl, <clears throat> all the way up to the Randy point where she like it metaphorically, I, no, not metaphorically. <laughs> like they're just I'm just watching what's happening, and then I'm like, okay, and. Then she like sticks her finger in her mouth and the other girl just lets her do it. So I'm like, okay, I guess this is just going to be, this is the kind of movie that this is. And (laughs) then she chomps down on it. I was like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, after that, I was very much, I was very much in shock after that scene. I've, I've never had like, I just had a very big reaction to that. I was like, this is not the movie that I thought we were coming to see. That's very funny. Um, so anyways, that's my, I loved yeah. it, but overall, but that was yeah. my, that's my takeaway so, from it. Is it, Jeremiah, do you want to give your <laughs> initial impression or me? Uh, what's my initial impression of this movie? Did you know it was about cannibals? Beforehand, yes. Okay. And I figured that was a silly premise. <laughs> but with it being like two serious actors, I knew her from Waves. Yeah. And that's. I haven't seen Waves. A real, like she was really, 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 really good in that. Yeah. So I was excited to see her again, and then little Timmy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, "This seems like a really silly kind of, but whatever. Let's go for it." I don't know. Having watched the film, my personal takeaway is like uh, he used a metaphor, and he didn't know what for. Like whoever wrote it, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can clearly see what it was going for, but. I don't know. It just kind of falls flat for me. For me. Robbie. I just, to state it, is a big fan. And the more I've thought about it, the more I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. I I knew lots about it going into it because I follow people's upcoming projects on IMDb way more intensely than I should. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie immensely. Yeah, it is very disturbing, but I like it a lot. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Jeremiah's wrong. <laughs> I, and that's our show. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that it is, yeah, as someone on Twitter said, it's basically a vampire movie, mm-hmm. but more intense. 
Yeah. So oh, would have been better as a vampire movie. Okay, can I talk about that? <laughs> I have to, because this is literally the thing yeah. I've been wanting to talk about the whole time. <laughs> okay. I think this is the best vampire movie no that's, that's maybe ever been made. I agree. <laughs> because, and this is the thing, you said it would have been better as a vampire movie. I completely disagree, because as soon as you make it about vampires, it's not relatable to me. It, it's it's a, not it's already so far no, from no, 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 no. Because here's the thing. Like, I like vampire stories. Don't get me wrong. I think that this is Interview with the Vampire, but with cannibals. In a it vampire, feels exactly like In a vampire like story, it. you want to be the vampire. That's the draw of it. No, not any. Is it? No. Yes. You want Mm-mm. to have. Yes, you do. You want to be immortal. You <laughs> want to have powers. I don't uh-uh. want. Not the vampire no. stories I like. <laughs> no. My that's favorite. the whole point of, that's why people become vampires in the first place. Is no, I love, I love vampires as monsters. I love vampires as... Uh, vampires so are seductive <clears throat> monsters because humanity wants to be them. Maybe. I mean, that's, that eh. is one interpretation of them, yes. But I, and that's fine. I don't like those stories. I don't, they're, they're, they're not interesting to me. Uh, well, I think um, that's the only reason they I think, exist. Well, so, okay, let's hold on a second here. Goodness. <laughs> so no I think one this wants is to a, be a cannibal on its own. Like, what superpowers do I get? You can smell other cannibals. No, no one wants that. No one wants that. Yeah, but that's, no one, I don't I'm not be saying that's what the movie's about. I'm saying in the context of cannibals versus vampires. So I don't think it's a cannibals versus vampires thing. It, it's I'm trying to think of how to how to describe this. But okay, so this movie feels a lot like Interview with the Vampire. I, I I'm not talking about the show that's out right now. I haven't seen that. But the the movie with oh, Tom Cruise that. and Brad Pitt, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst. It's a very good film. It's one of my okay. I said earlier that I don't really like this the whole vampire thing. I like this movie, and in this in that movie, it was very much like, yeah, being a vampire is awesome. But it wasn't. It, the whole movie dismantles that and talks mm-hmm. about why all those things that seemed like good things to go after, like end up falling apart and becoming hollow and how they end up like destroying the lives of all these people, people becoming monsters rather than because they can't understand the world. And the movie overall is not necessarily about yeah, well that vampires. It's about the metaphor of vampires. <clears throat> you think you want this. You think you originally want this thing, but when you actually have it, it all falls apart. Okay. Man only so, wants things that destroys himself. Sure. Uh, this movie is is more about generational. Uh, so it's about aging. It's about growing older, and how it's important for us to continually how it, how it can be like we reach a certain point as humans where it's impossible for us to grow anymore, and so it, living for eternity is sort of like uh, like anyone that would live forever would most likely go insane unless they were able to adopt the culture and practices of the younger generation. If they don't, if they don't grow, if they don't continue to grow in their life, like as a person, they will go insane, which is what happens in that movie. Mm-hmm. You have, you have this like sophisticated character in Tom Cruise, who's like the sexy vampire, the one that you're talking about that people want to be. And Brad Pitt, I don't remember how he gets pulled into all of it, but he, is his like mentor in the beginning of the film. And then by the end of the film, Brad Pitt has found like a healthy way to live as a vampire where he is like, he takes on a, like a, I don't remember what they call them in this, but uh, essentially like he always hangs out with a younger vampire mm-hmm. so that he can understand the world through their eyes and he can learn how he needs to change to adapt to the world as it changes. Whereas Tom Cruise's character is like, no, the world will adapt to me 
And by the end of it, he's like this cowering figure who's like, like he it's modern day and like a helicopter flies over and he's hissing at the helicopter because he doesn't know what, how to handle all this stuff. And it's a commentary on, on aging and, and like growth as human beings and things like that. So it's a very, it's just using vampires as the framework for that, which is why I like it. When you're dealing with vampires, just as vampires, I'm more of a fan of things like Stephen King's Salem's lot, which is vampires as monsters. You do not want to be these creatures. Being bit by one of them is an absolute curse. You do not want to be one. And they are seductive, but it's in the most evil way. And it's it's so horrifying the way he presents it. He has children floating up next to windows and, and manipulating other children into coming outside. It's very leans very heavily into the, the mythos of the let the right one in type of thing mm-hmm. where you have to be invited in. All that stuff, and Let the Right One is another good vampire story. <clears throat> All that. I love those type of things where on the f- surface, we're not really dealing with like, we're not really dealing with vampires itself. That's just kind of like a, a vehicle to, to tell some, talk about something else. But most of the time, vampires aren't scary. They're not scary. I'm not afraid of them. The most afraid of them ever been was probably Salem's Lot because they were treated like monsters and, and because they were of the like, grotesque kind of presentation where it's like children being vampires and it just was not I don't know I just didn't, it was very uncomfortable and that's why it was scary but I haven't really seen any other vampire movie where the vampires were scary until this movie and I think it was scary because it's now don't take this don't <laughs> don't put words in my mouth here yeah. okay hear what I'm saying because it's based on something that actually exists yeah because cannibalism is an actual thing, I don't know if it's as rampant as this movie would have us believe. No. That's part of what it's what is scary about it is mm-hmm. that it's like as soon as you get into this world, suddenly this invisible world starts to pop up and you start to realize, oh, it's bigger than I realized. Not huge. It's, there's still only like four or five characters that are mm-hmm. cannibals in this movie, but four or five cannibals is more cannibals than I want to deal with. Yeah. So it just felt like, holy crap, like they're doing what a vampire movie can't do. And they're actually making me afraid of these characters. It, like when they, especially when they have things like, and I know I've been talking for too long, I'll stop here in a second. But <laughs> like when when you have those redneck guys that came at like showed up yeah. and wanted to drink a beer with them and then we find out it's this sort of like innate urge that they have to feed. It's not mm-hmm. something that they want, but they have to do. Uh, and then you have this character who doesn't have that urge, but yeah. does, but eats anyway. And somehow that's even more horrifying is when yeah. someone is like choosing to be evil. I think it's terrifying. I don't think it's a movie that's meant to be scary, but conceptually. And when I think about it and especially the days following seeing the movie, it just got scarier and scarier to me. Just mm-hmm. the, the idea of all of that and, and the struggle that these characters are going through and the consequences of the actions that they're that they have like it just yeah so i i loved it as a a modern vampire story i thought it was excellent in that way yeah i was gonna say that david gordon green's character the guy you were talking about Mm -hmm. that just hangs out with michael which both of them are great performances for the one and a half scenes yeah i've never thought of vampires i'm more with you randy jeremiah sorry about vampires are not something you want to be. It is a curse. Mm-hmm. You get you. It, it is like the worst thing someone could have done to you to turn you into a vampire. Also, and so that guy's so terrifying because he's the character that isn't one. That he's the human that wants to be a vampire, mm-hmm. and the audience is like, "What's wrong with you?" 
like why on earth would you want to do it? Yeah. So, but what I was going to say, kind of what Chris Nolan did with Batman, which is kind of annoying and played out in superhero movies at this point, but the dark Knight is cool because the approach was how could it's obviously not reality. Mm-hmm. But what's the closest we could make Batman to reality? It's big military weapons. Like it's a rich guy who has like an arms dealer <laughs> in mm-hmm. his company and so, like, just everything is as close to a real scenario that could happen. And that's one thing that makes it cool. So this is the vampire version of that. It's obviously real cannibals can't smell each other from half a mile away. Mm-hmm. But that's still way more grounded in our reality than vampires are. Yeah. And it gives a sense of, like, lore. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's, like, a lore to it that they just touch on that I think is, like, that makes it scary. The the scare. I told you this previously Robbie but and I'll tell you now Jeremy but that like the scariest frame in the entire movie to me was when we first see Sully mm-hmm. and it's just that wide shot of the street and you have to take a minute to kind of scan what you're looking at before you even see Sully just standing there off to the left in the bottom left corner of the frame mm-hmm. just kind of like this awkward little poke around the corner like he's not trying to hide but he's hidden in a way it's really mm-hmm. it's really weird and then like obviously he embodies that creepiness throughout the rest of the film but just that one opening shot tells us everything we need to know about him and how off he is yeah and then his like whole thing like oh, i smelled you from the, the back porch it's like it makes that you could do that it makes it so like it's like finding out that like someone you've known for a long time can read your thoughts mm-hmm and how that would immediately change how you saw them and then how you, like, oh, my gosh, like, they know everything about me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. It's finding out that someone has, like, some power over you is always terrifying, no matter what it is. <clears throat> if you made a mistake and you, you know, didn't know anybody knew about that and then you find out somebody close to you does but they haven't told you that they knew, mm-hmm. finding out that can feel like, oh, what if, like, are they judging me? Have they held this against me? Like, him saying... Like, oh, yeah, I could smell you, all that stuff. It just, it creates this dynamic, this power dynamic between them of, like, holy crap, like, he's someone to be afraid of because mm-hmm. he has an ability that, as far as we know, no one else has. And we find out that, you know, it's it's sort of innate in, in mm-hmm. what they are, in what they are. but it's it's very scary to me. Yeah. Um, also, that adds to the, I don't know how to call it, the, t- the what's terrifying, the movie's not scary in a, like, horror movie it's not like immediate scary. Right. It's like a much more existential scary. Mm-hmm. There's like in one that, jump scare yeah. in the whole movie, but that's, yeah. There's four scenes that are super graphic and gnarly in one jump scare mm-hmm. and then two hours of road trip montage. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. Um, but the, 20 minutes of it was right on their face. Just, yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, there's aftermath, but. <laughs> yeah. Got red on you. Oh, God. I got red on the, you. I I dried off with you. Uh, Gosh, it's so that's okay. That has to the, mean something. The choice of word, like the way they wrote everything. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, I need to remember the line because I remember <laughs> he said it in a certain. Uh, it was something Sully said, I think, in the first time they met, and his choice of words was so perfect because it was like, yeah, I got the idea across, but because of the words he chose, it told us so much about him. I'm I'm forgetting what it was. So I'll I'll tell you if I remember. But yeah, I, I love. Yeah. I I dried off next to you because it's like I wouldn't think of that as drying off, mm-hmm. but he thought of it. It's just a process that he has, and yeah. so the, that that choice of words is so 
Ugh, it makes my skin crawl. But that I was mean, yeah, it's clever and it's gross, but it's gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, the yeah, it's just gross. <laughs> okay, well let's okay, Jeremiah, let's. <laughs> I want you to remember what you said at the beginning, and uh, then I want you to you know it's okay that you didn't like the movie. I think that's going to make this conversation interesting. So. Because if it was just me and Robbie going, yeah, it's great, right? Yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> then that's okay, cool, it's great. But like, what? Okay, what about like? So just yeah, give us your thoughts on just. Uh, it's been a few days. It's been a week since we've seen it. However long it's been. So okay, yeah, it's been yeah six days. I mean, uh, Robbie and I talked about it for like ten seconds Wednesday night, and he was. I was like, the thing about the movie, it didn't make me feel anything. And he was like, really? Like, not even disgust? I was like, oh, no, plenty of disgust. <laughs> he was like, okay, got it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I have, I had no, oh, this, this, that's me. That's telling a story about me. There was none of that in there. Uh, like, can't, oh, even caring about what happened to any of them. Like even even when she's being attacked in the end, I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be like stressful. I'm supposed to want her to get out of this. No, I promise I did not care. Mm. I was like done with her character, done with the movie. I just I like I wanted them to be found out and to be punished. That's it. Like I wanted them to go to jail, and then society look at them and go like, you're a cannibal. That's gross. And I get that. That's the whole point. Uh, like the metaphor is that they're degenerates, but like outcasts from society, mm-hmm. and we're and that is supposed to make me go, oh, I care for the uh, they're pe- they're still people. I should care for these people, even though they're outcasts, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just such a gross thing. I could I like I can't get behind that. And, I, I mean that's fair. And yeah. to and to mm-hmm. me, if it would have been a vampire, it's like. Like like the vampire thing, like I was talking about, like you, humans want to be vampires because even though it is a curse, and even though on the other side of it you do realize that it's a curse and you didn't want it, what's what's there on the on the human side of it, wanting to be the vampire is oh my god, eternal life, I I get to just be forever and I don't have to worry about dying anymore. I mean, like that's the whole pursuit of religion is to obtain eternal life. To have that as an answer, like literally right in front of you, that's what's seductive about becoming that monster. Like it trip it trips your mind out into not thinking like it's a monster because you get everything that you want. Like you get the promise. The promise of all religion is, I mean, not every single one of them, but the, like the ultimate promise of religion is eternal life. You immediately get that. All, he has, all that thing has to do is bite you, is to choose you. That's and that's it. And you have you have the promise of all religions, and it's right there, and you can get it. Deal with the curse stuff later. I get what I want right now. But I mean, I mean, like in every horror movie, it's monkey's paw. Your wish is going to be twisted, mm-hmm. but you deal with that later. You don't you don't think about the downsides to your wish. You want your wish because you want your wish. Like that's the thing that you want more than anything else. That's the thing that you strive for. You need it. You need that to happen. But for it to be, you're even saying it's scarier because it's not vampires and like it could happen. I don't know. I'm I'm more scared of a, I'm more scared of a theoretical vampire 
even though I know they don't exist, but I also like I know cannibals like this don't exist. Like I'm not worried in when I'm in a diner that the guy across from me is gonna lunch for my neck mm-hmm. because he feels some urge to feed. Uh, I, uh, yeah, mm. none of it really hit for me. Yeah, I mean that's fine. It's not obviously it's your reaction to it's valid, but I am so I'm interested because the uh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to ask here. The what about okay so stripping away um, the cannibal side of it the story that it's telling underneath all that I don't think um, I didn't think cannibalism was a good metaphor for helping that story along okay why is that because it's just so incredibly gross you could have chosen a thousand other things I mean even if you go with like it's already right there they're still murdering the people mm-hmm. because they feel an urge. To where they have to murder people. Like, that's a thing, right? Serial sure. killers get sure. high when they kill people. I mean, that's just, like, I'm not even trying. That's right there. And a lot of the metaphor for the movie is still the same. You're just not showing me the, the like the literal gross part where we bend over and munch on their guts. You could, you could yeah. cut just that part and have them urge to murder people. And you can still have Sully sniff them out. Who cares? Like... You could keep almost, you could keep 99% of the same movie, cut the super, super, super gross part, and almost tell me the same story. I feel like. Like, I feel like the only reason I'm being shown cannibal stuff is because uh, there's like a director guy going, This is nasty. Show it. Hmm. I, hmm, I'm going to push back. Do, do, please. I feel like I would argue, just from a filmmaking perspective, I think one thing about the movie is that it doesn't, if we concede the cannibal thing for a moment, it doesn't censor any of that, like how gross it would be to actually eat someone. Yeah, and it's, it's like forcing the audience to but look it, at something they normally wouldn't look at. It doesn't do that a lot, though. It's very restrained, I would say. But even... Like, it is I not mean, a gore yeah, fest. it could have been more gross, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it's not like a, it's not like a fun, like... There's four scenes, and even those scenes, like the way they are, I don't know. I think it. I agree. It could have not been a trying, lot more gory. I mean, sure. But that's what I'm saying is that you can't just say it's just cannibals because they wanted to put it in your face because they. Well, the well, didn't. I would love. How about this? I would love a reason because I can't think of one, and I like to think of myself as a at least a semi-intelligent person. Give me. A good, a good reason why it's cannibalism instead of anything else in existence. Well, if it's if it's because uh, I didn't get that from the movie. Okay, that's fine. What I got it from it was that it. You know, you mentioned they could have just been serial killers. Then we would have first. I there. I mean, there was a quality statement on that. You would have had to change some of the movie to make it make sense. No, no, I get that. I get that. What I'm I, saying what it would have been like automatically a lot the same right so i'm arguing that it wouldn't be okay uh because serial killers are sexy right now in 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 popular media they're not but but they are like there's so many movies that are about i'll agree with you that they're like popular right now but anyone that looks at them it's like ooh. yeah no one's going uh, oh i like but like we're watching we're consuming media where they're the main character i I mean dexter's a freaking perfect example like the whole show is about how we was okay because he was a good guy, seriously. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. 
So it's they're they're like justifying things and they're saying, okay, it's okay because of this. Oh, he only kills bad people. Oh, he yeah. has a code of conduct. That's why it's good. And when he goes off the rails, then we know, okay, Dexter, you got to get back. You know, all, mm-hmm. I get all that. You know, that that first season of, uh, you know, we have characters in this movie that are like that. Who, uh, I don't remember the names of the characters in the movie, <laughs> unfortunately. So the main character, what is her character's name? Marin? Marin, that's right. I've just kept so, referring so to them Marin as the is, uh, So Marin is a character who's trying to wrestle with the like right and wrong of what they're doing. Um, and her, the other, and Charlie, or not Charlie, Timothy. Lee. Lee. Lee is someone who is like, this is who I, this is who I am. I'm not going to try and fight this. I'm not going to think too hard about it because mm-hmm. I've got some trauma that I'm dealing with. I don't want to like I don't even want to like bring any of this up. You have other characters like Sully who are like I am this and I'm going to be the best at this as anybody can be and I'm going to like memorialize this part of my life with his like braid of hair that he has. Then you have the other guys who are like this is like yeah, we're like we fetishize it. We're like mm-hmm. this is just and you know the, that whole side of things. So they have a lot of like, uh, so none of the cannibals are the same. They're all different people. They're all approaching it and handling that this this thing that they're dealing with in different ways. Um, so think of you know we're talking about Dexter. We like Dexter because he's he's made uh, relatable, even though he's a character who is a sociopath we he's made likable because he has all these things and it's like we hope for redemption you know in that story arc we hope that he will become more human in in that story that's kind of why we mm. we watch him because we feel like there's going to be a click that there's going to be something now i only watched the first four seasons of that show so i don't know how how things turn out for him. but <laughs> I, that's what i've been told um but let's go back and if you, you, wa- you if you watch it. that first season you know that he's that there's another serial killer, and we find out that it's his brother, okay? And his brother is painted a different way. His brother is painted like, oh, this person's evil, even though they do the exact same things. Like, he kills people, and he kills people. Like, when it comes down to the bottom line, they, are the, they do the exact same thing, and then it all, it's all about, for that show, the intention behind it. Mm-hmm. It's all about their mindset and why they're doing things rather than what they're doing. And uh, so you were saying, well, this movie could have been just about serial killers, whatever. Well, it could have been about serial killers. And, but I think that right now, because of where we are as a culture with like that subject matter, there's a lot of shows about serial killers. There's a lot of movies about serial killers and they have been kind of made into the, the sexy vampire. Like that thing that's like, oh yeah, but like, yeah, I know this is wrong, but oh, I just, it's like a guilty pleasure. I love, I love watching this kind of stuff. This movie does not feel like that to me. They don't want you. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I don't think this movie wants us to, <laughs> to be like okay with what they're no. doing. I think the movie paint, paints what they're doing as wrong, as evil, as as terrible. I think the characters are all interacting with it in different ways. Some of them are accepting it and saying, "Well, this is who I am." Others are saying, "No, I don't want to be like this." the mom who puts herself into a, in an asylum and eats her own hands and arms off because she doesn't want to hurt others. Uh, she wants to kill her own daughter to save her from the pain that she's been through. Like all these things are like, they're approaching it in different ways. And so I think that the movie is the reason why the cannibalism works so much is because it's so de- like detestable. Like there's, there's something like we're so used to violence in 
in movies and television that someone killing somebody else doesn't really bother us. Uh, yeah, unless us unless it's anymore. like it's, it doesn't discuss. And I'm not saying that this is just escalation that they well we got to do cannibals that's, now. That's what because, I but that's what I feel like the movie. Okay, is. so you're or you're arguing that's escalation. I'm saying it's not, mm-hmm. or I'm arguing that it's not. Um, like that's because the, I that's think the only that, metaphor that we can come up with that is disgusting inherently. Okay, maybe I don't Still, know. Let me think about this. But I, in fifty years, maybe cannibals aren't disgusting. Maybe anymore. they are. Maybe you who know? knows? Maybe we, this so starts. Then, this so kicks then, us off. But, this yeah, but the, then the movie loses everything it's trying to say because that's not that's no longer disgusting. So the metaphor is not good because it's relying upon that. I'm saying that it, it's not about. There's one thing about somebody killing somebody else. Okay, that is a crime that we are familiar with. And I'm not saying it's not gross. I'm saying it's one that we're familiar with. We see people get killed all the time in real life. They get killed in movies all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. In fake life, yes. Um, what they, what, but there's something. Inherently disgusting. Inherently, I would say evil and twisted when you take that a step further and you don't just kill the thing, the person, but you then consume them. It's like. If I found out that a loved one was murdered, I would be heartbroken. But if I found out that they were murdered and then eaten, that evokes a feeling in me that I don't know if anything else can create. Um, Robbie's like raising his hand like a madman over here. So, well, and I mean, as like a two word response to that, I don't, uh, murdered, murdered, and eaten, I don't know that I care more about one than the other. You have it backwards. Okay, go for it. I have so many. <laughs> Robbie's like, oh God, your I'm head was technically <laughs> raised with five. I will say. That. Okay, so I don't know. Just opening. It is okay. You didn't like the cannibal thing. Yes. You dead on arrival. You're out. That's fine. <laughs> I did. I knew. But I knew that the movie was like. Uh, I mean, e- even from what I, s- the only thing that I saw in advance was. This year's grossest movie is a cannibal love romance movie. And I was like, I mean, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I I guess the more you describe why you don't like the reasons you're saying it didn't need to be cannibals, I don't want to speak for Randy, but is why I think it works, I guess. Like, is the in what In so, what well, way? I'm still I'm okay. getting to. Okay. Sure. So... Serial killers, you can say they kill people because they get a high from it, but that's really hard to justify visually a high worth doing that for. I mean, I would people say it are, looks like her face when she degloved a finger, but okay, fair enough. Uh, wait. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> and I'm doing exactly what I said I wasn't going to do, but uh, fine. what I guess what I'm saying, like arguing is, that you won't like the movie as much as me by the end of it. I'm trying we, to change your mind. If we show, like, I don't know, like Christian Bale killing people. I haven't seen American Psycho, but it's memed. So, like, uh-huh. yeah, I also haven't that, seen it. I don't. I don't want to. People killing people like that. It's hard to express a high or a like need to do it that our brains are like accepting because it's it's still bad the point is it's bad but how could we who people who don't need to kill people to feel a high understand what would be worth killing someone for like that high is really hard to like show but we were talking about the menu earlier one thing the menu does well in its uh making fun of like pretentious people is like Tyler talking about why food is important. 
or like what ratatouille does. Just the idea of food. Food is eating things is so connected to human beings. You die if you don't do it. Yeah, so it's connected to life and death. It's connected to life and death. And so I would argue that the it being cannibals takes the vampire stuff, which is its own thing. It simultaneously takes the vampire stuff, but then it's not just serial killers because they're not killing people and then like feeling bad about it. That's a byproduct of they have to eat humans. Like the food that they their bodies needs to consume like their brain gets just over like overpowered it has to be eaten is why they kill people that's why i was saying you're getting it backwards like sully doesn't kill people sully talks well as far as we know yeah. he tells <clears throat> marin that at the beginning is that he sniffs yeah, out people who it, are dying it, yeah and it showed him not killing that one lady yeah so it seems and truthful. so i think the power of the cannibal of picking cannibalism is we're getting all of the vampire stuff me and randy were talking about and then i would argue we're getting the way you're talk. you've been talking about vampires i would argue that's what normal people are the like the thing that it's like why can't i just get that the oh if i let them bite me then i i'll live forever kind of thing the it's not the same but marin and lee feel that way about all the other people. Everyone except the five cannibals, or four and a half <laughs> cannibals we meet in the movie, <laughs> they feel that way about them. They're like, what on earth would I have to do to just be like that? Because I mm. will do it. But the it's just something about eating. Like, eating is so necessary, and that's why we see them eat people. And it's it makes it more evil but also less like, oh, you're a murderer. You need to be arrested because you murdered someone. And it makes us go, they couldn't help it because they had to feed. Like, I don't know. It worked for me. Yeah. It's why we react so viscerally to the off-duty cop. Yeah. Who like, oh, wait, you're not, you don't have to do this. Yeah. So you're just evil. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you're just, you're just like sick. Um, and you, and the other guy is equally twisted because he's like, okay with it. You know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, but that's why, that's why our main characters get the freak out of there because they're like, these are not like, like we know what we're actually dealing with. We're dealing with something that we can't help. And so we have to try and figure out how to get it. Like, yeah. So I, I, I like that a lot. I, yeah, more, I feel like I get bad about movies that affect me on like a emotional level i get bad about just talking about technical stuff Mm. or like this person said that even though i'm trying to convey the emotional effect it had on me i don't know that was a tangent but uh like luca guadagnino said that he wanted to i've listened to him talk about it a lot between us watching it and this he said he read the script and he wanted to do it because of the human behavior aspect of it like it wasn't about the otherness metaphors are like oh they're like gay people they're the autistic people like it wasn't about that it was he's fascinated with how humans behave and like why they behave certain ways and so he came to it for that first i don't know where i was going with this talking about vampires earlier vampires in that stephen king book and stuff are painted as monsters in this it's like we're watching humans and then they become beasts mm-hmm and then they go back to humans. And watching that is terrifying and very interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that Stephen King book, I know I said, I love vampires as monsters. I don't see all these characters as monsters like yeah. all, all the time. The reason why the Stephen King book is so good is because you get to know every single character who gets bit. Yeah. Or who, who is bitten mm-hmm. uh, before they turn into a monster. And then you yeah. see them afterwards. Mm-hmm. And you even see some characters who like spiritually struggle with that curse that's then placed upon them so it's a like it's very heavy when it happens when somebody is turned i guess in that in that book Mm -hmm. um so um back to my tangent earlier is that just talking about what luca guadagnino said and then mark rylance talking about the scene where him and taylor russell eat the old woman mark rylance said he had he used to have two i forgot what kind of dog but like really big dogs like great danes or something he had one that was a lot older than the other one. He had a female that was like five years older than the male one. And he said that every scene he did with her, or I guess it's just the one scene, when it's Sully and Marin eating the old woman, he said the entire time he was like, how did my, how did the older dog interact with the younger dog when they were eating? Hmm. So I guess that becomes more of just acting in, is interesting stuff, but mm-hmm. like, but that affects me. That's why I like it. Like that's what's interesting is it's more than just like, oh, this gross thing that they're depicting, they didn't need to depict, they depicted it well. I guess you could say that, but it affected me in a very intense way, the way it was depicted. And I don't know, (laughs) I'm rambling. I really liked it (laughs) like a lot. (laughs) Well, there's a, there's a, it makes it's important, like how you reacted to this. It's important because it isn't just gratuitous. It's yeah. not excessive. Uh, it is gross. It is disgusting. Like obviously, no one's disagreeing with that. I don't mm-hmm. think. But it, there's a purpose for it, um, and <laughs> no, it's no, not. No. It's That's, not something that is. It doesn't is, shy away from the grossness, <laughs> but it doesn't elevate or fetishize the grossness. Right. It shows you just the realistic amount. Yeah. And so, then it goes away. No, yeah, it could very yeah, easily have turned it, into a B. I'll agree that film. it doesn't fetishize it. So, if, it, if it would have, I would have actively hated the movie. <laughs> but I just, I feel like it rely. I feel like it relies upon it being gross to our to the audience's senses. But if if like if serial killers were gross, this would have been a story about serial killers instead, and like. It's just relying upon the audience going, ew, that's gross. And like, that's supposed to be the metaphor. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, I just disagree. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. If, yeah. I, I think the older I get, the more I think that life is gray. And especially right now, our world is very focused on, on extremes. Everyone has to be kind of like in, in an extreme in order to, to belong somewhere you have to believe 100% in one thing uh, or act 100% in a way that's accepted or in the another way that's accepted in a different culture or community or group of people everything you you have to be all in or nothing you can't sort of like float through life or kind of move through life or you're a betrayer or you are the enemy yes you are the enemy (laughs) like in a in our world which is very at least where we live like in the united states that's kind of how we think that's how like it or not like that's just how everything is sort of structured right now and it's sort of seen as like 
Yeah, this is the right thing to do. It's us versus them. Like, there's not, no middle if you're ground. Not down you're not with us. You're, against, you're us. against us. Yeah, like, I like this movie because it it shows how stupid that is. <laughs> it shows how like like look, we're not saying that cannibals are good people and they should just be allowed to just do their thing. That's not what the movie's saying. The movie's not. Uh, the movie is just trying to get you to hear the story of someone like you mentioned earlier who is an outcast. I don't think I know any cannibals. Maybe I do. I don't think I do. I hope I don't. <laughs> but I kind of hope I don't. But um, <laughs> but I can see like the way that they go through life. These characters go through life, and the way that I see people that I know go through life who are on the outside, who are on the outskirts, who maybe don't think or believe or see the world in a way that everybody else does. I can see their existing their existence being very similar and as tortured in a way, you know. It's maybe not filled with as much violence, mm-hmm. but it's just as lonely and hollow as theirs is. Because no matter how many times they feed, they always have to feed again and even Sully says you have to do it more and more often the older you get. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it's just they're never fulfilled. They never find any sort of peace or happiness with it. And so taking that well, yeah, and, and saying, okay, I, there too, yeah. yes. And I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one for, for the world that we're in now because of, because of how, you know, polarized everything is. I think it's good to be reminded that, look, everybody sees things differently. Even if we don't say we are, I might say I'm this political party, but I might be somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. you know? But everyone's got to pick a team. And so this this is kind of, I don't know, it just feels like this movie is like... Well, if I'm forced to be non-cannibal or cannibal... I'm going to say... Yeah, exactly. I just, I don't know. I'm getting, I don't want to get into, I don't want to get into politics and all that kind of stuff. But my, my whole point is just that it's like, the world is gray. And I think that right now we're in a place where we are refusing to acknowledge that. And I think this movie is reminding us in a very potent way, we have to acknowledge. We have to see that there are people that are on the outside that are that are that are going to kind of like fit into multiple camps and fit into and 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 not fit with our cookie cutter lifestyles that we live. Yeah, and we need to this red, we need gray. to acknowledge them. We need to acknowledge that they are humans as well. Yeah. And red's the right and that's conservative. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, I'm rambling and I'm I'm not saying clearly what I'm trying to say, but hopefully you get what I'm trying to get. It's so good. I just I I get it because uh, yeah, it's one of those things like if you're not down, the, the like yeah when she bites the girl's finger you're like in or you're out, and <laughs> in terms of like you're like you're on the same wavelength as the movie or you're not. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, I get it, but I very much was. <laughs> <laughs> so because I also just technically I think Luca Guadagnino is a good director. And I think it's extremely well made. There are bits of it that part of my brain wants to say are like campy or something, but it is more just like old school, if for lack of a better. It's like traditional, like the way it it's road dissolves and stuff. Mm. We see dissolves now, and we're like, okay. Lame. And it's like, well, this movie was set, Star Wars. <laughs> this movie set in the late '80s, and that was like normal. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's one thing you talked about. It's a period piece. I was talking to my mom about this movie a lot, much to her dismay. Um, <laughs> or like... After, after spaghetti. <laughs> I was just talking about everything but the, the eating people <laughs> bits. Uh, 
uh, eating people bits, <laughs> eating and, people uh, part parts, uh, the, the parts <laughs> where they're eating people. It's not explicitly said what year it's in in the movie. I don't think, but it's in 1988. It's clearly the late yeah, it's 80s. Clearly 80s. But um, <laughs> I don't know. It looked like the 50s to me. <laughs> All right. Well, there were no VHS tapes <laughs> for me to to know. So <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll defer to you. There's a, there's oh, a, but that would make him like 120, right? <laughs> it's set in the 80s, and uh, the book the book says it's 1988. There's like a Bush Reagan 84 yeah, yeah. sticker on the truck, and the way they're dressed. But I was telling my mom, it's not an active period piece; it's a passive period piece, which is or better. <laughs> Like Stranger Things is an active period piece. It's like this is the eighties, isn't yeah. it great? <laughs> and this is like, yeah, it's it's in the eighties. It's a movie, but it's happening in the eighties. Yeah. But Lucas said their approach to that was, we're not making a movie set in the eighties. We're making this movie as if it were present in nineteen eighty eight. So like the camera they used, the cameras, the lights, the lenses, the like the techniques they used Mm -hmm. the style of editing having dissolves and just like the pace of it the whole intention was like we're just gonna make it feel like a movie made in the late 80s and i think they succeeded what that might that might be why i was why you didn't like it movie maybe it wasn't cannibalism (laughs) it was the feel of the 80s movie you didn't like that that sincere shot on film cross dissolve (laughs) Yeah, maybe that was it. I was just like, oh, I hate everything about this. I I didn't know it was shot on film until the movie started in a few shots in. I was like, heck yeah, this is shot on film. (laughs) I do like how they leaned into that style style choice, though, Mm -hmm. because I noticed that there were a lot of things. I've noticed recently that things like zooms are coming back into style, into Vogue. There's a lot of zoom lens in this Mm -hmm. instead of dollying. And uh, it's a very intentional look. It's a choice for sure. And so it's, I like it. And it feels funny because asked me that 10 years ago and I would have been like, no, that's, a, yeah. why would you do that ever? Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's style, <laughs> it's fashion is what it is, but it's like, it's cool to see it coming back. And then I'm be, like, yeah, okay, be, this is good. It'll I be like even this, cooler yeah, to so. see it go away. So. No, <laughs> no, I think it's, it doesn't feel like a mullet. It doesn't feel like a, where it's like. Hey, Timmy's hair looks great in this movie. <laughs> Timmy's hair does look, oh my gosh. They worked Ooh, for her it. hair was so bad. Okay, so fun. Yeah, sure. But her hair <laughs> it was awful. Is I still haven't seen Silence of the Lambs, but in Silence of the Lambs, what's her name? Jodie Foster's mm-hmm. character. Is it Christine? Sh- Clarice? Char- Clarice. 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 Charlize. So her her best friend in that movie, who's only in like a scene or two, that just is her haircut. And that yes. movie is ninety one. And so uh, stole it. Yeah, Luca <laughs> literally just showed the hair person. Like that was the whole thing. They were like yeah, that. <laughs> Just a this picture. disgusting. From that movie. Yeah, of course like, it does. What was I going to say? Oh, another just fun technical thing. This is the first Luca Guadagnino movie I've seen. I want to watch more now. But one thing, Call Me By Your Name, was shot on one lens the entire movie. And I've always thought that was cool. Hmm. It was just one 35 millimeter lens for every shot. And so I was like, I wonder if I'll do that for this. And then there was like zooms and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, he didn't." But this is cool. Like, I like the. I tend to knock zoom lenses and stuff, especially as like a stills photographer. 
I don't want a zoom lens. Get that uh, crap out of here. Uh, <laughs> but for filming stuff, it definitely is distinctly different than just moving the camera. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's fun. And ma- it does feel old. Yeah. And there's like, like horror has like a, you know, there's like, like the 70s, 80s, like a good time for yeah. horror. And so bringing back some of those, mm-hmm. some of the style choices for that, especially with the, uh, how to use how to use the camera, move the camera, what lenses you're using, yeah. all that stuff. I think it's cool, especially, you know, we re- I recently watched uh, X mm-hmm. uh, and they do a lot of that as well. And it feels, it's really interesting how they, how they shoot it that way. So. Also, there's a movie called Paris, Texas by Vim Vendors. <laughs> it's with W's, but he's German. Um, and so that similarly, this movie, I have not heard anyone compare the two in interviews, like the people who made the movie or people who have just seen the movie. I've heard no one compared to Paris, Texas, which is absurd to me because Paris, Texas is like definitive criterion collection indie, but like everyone, a lot of people have heard of it road movie and the score, which the score in this movie is incredible. I think Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, the score in Paris, Texas. I forgot the guy's name, but one guy is just a guy playing guitar and then some synth in like pad stuff under it. Bones and all score is guitar driven, but it's like nylon string, pretty guitar, most of it. But Paris, Texas is like very country, very steel string, like with metal slide, but the music's very similar. And just the vibes of the movie, like the way it's structured, feel very similar. There's no cannibalism in Paris, Texas. So. Oh, I'd probably like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it came out in 82, <laughs> I think. Maybe 84. There's a, there is all that 80s style filmmaking, though. So mm, Yeah. Well, yeah. I could watch that and then figure out if it was <laughs> the cannibalism or the 80s. <laughs> but, that put me uh, in. You're still disgusted, then. <laughs> What I was going to say equally disgusted. <laughs> I think they're not in a uh, like bones and all is not like derivative or just copying Paris, Texas, but they're very comparable in that it's like European filmmaker making their first movie in America or like set in America. And it's just like a road trip movie and the music is very similar. So. You know what? I take it back. That's what's disgusting. <laughs> a European <laughs> told me what's good about road trips. <laughs> You, well, you I don't mean, know. <laughs> you don't have any idea. Get out of here. But uh, see, us Americans, we overlook Nebraska. We don't. <laughs> we don't say. He saw it and he was like, this is "We don't say Kentucky's beautiful." <laughs> the Italian slash Ethiopian man. Yes. Says, oh yes. Luca Guadagnino is weird. So his mom is from Ethiopia and his dad's Italian, and he lived in Ethiopia till he was like three. Then he moved to Sicily, I think. And then he moved to Rome. He's very interesting. There's another movie that this reminded me of that is not very well known. I have only met one other person who's seen this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's called May. I believe it's spelled M-A-E. And it is a similar story, although it has like some, it's pulling from from some other stuff. And and it's about a, a, a girl who is an outsider who is trying to find a connection with people mm-hmm. but can't ends up in situations where she's being used by people she's in bad relationships things like that it just goes from person to person she just kind of can never find anybody who will like 
love her unconditionally, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sad movie. You're talking about Precious. No. <laughs> um, Based on the novel Push. But what happens is that she... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that uh, one. Okay. That's, a, that's an office quote yeah. for all the people. Yeah. But she ends up killing people that hurt her. Mm. So there's a lot there with like how to find a healthy way to deal with, with all that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie in a very long time, so I don't know how well it actually gets its yeah. ideas across, but I do remember it. And it, so she eventually kills a lot of people. Does she eat them? And no, she doesn't eat them. Oh, probably but like she keeps <laughs> she keeps their their bits, their parts. As one does. And uh, she creates a new human out of those parts. A human she, that can love her. Yes. And Ooh. at the very end of the movie, she has completed this Frankenstein monster creation thing, which is very gross looking. It's just this like, black and blue stitched together like person and um she calls it osiris i'm so in. It, the whole time is like she's like going to make someone that will love her essentially yeah. but there's no magic there's no science fiction she's not building a lab she's just doing this gross thing she's taking the parts that she likes from people and putting them into this this person to create this perfect person. <laughs> like, and, like cuts there going, I like your ears. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, no, but she has, like, eyes from certain people and, you know, whatever else. Uh, anyways, it ends with her, like, in tears. I don't remember what happens, but she essentially was hurt again. She cuddles up with this thing. It's an overhead shot, so you'd like this just straight yeah. down. Straight down. <laughs> and it sits on this for a long time, and eventually she just kind of is just, like, kind of crying herself to sleep in the arms of this thing. Then its arm lifts, and oh, yeah, and then gently caress, like just rub, uh, brushes her shoulder to kind of like ease her, mm-hmm. and then it cuts the back. Yes, and um, ending. so, but it's never like you know, there's it doesn't get into whether it's real or not, or mm-hmm. just all that stuff. But yeah, it's a very weird movie. <laughs> it has uh, what's her name, Chris Pratt's ex-wife. Oh, uh, uh, oh, Anna Ferris. Yeah, never mind. Um. I'm sorry that like that's how I addressed you as somebody else's ex person. Um, I'm just bad about remembering I mean, names. That's how famous she is, and you know, you should have been not like, a good actor. No, she's in a bunch of the scary that, movies. That all actress, the scary movies, right? That actress, the scary movie from, movies. The actress from um, the finale I'd, of Friends. I'd say that's uh, is she in that too. Okay. I'd say that's the most famous thing about her, and that's uh, how good of an actress. No, I no, it, no, no, no. I take fine. it. It's not the finale. I take it back. But it's. She's in Friends. When Ross and Rachel have a baby in the like last season or two, uh-huh. she is like waiting to give birth with Rachel. Gotcha. But I yeah, don't so love Friends. I've seen it a lot, though. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she she's in it. She's one of the people that gets killed. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, if she's the main girl, she, I'm not no, watching this she, movie. I don't know who the main girl is. She, I need to actually get, look up. If she gets killed, I'm fine with that. I need to look it up. But yeah, it's yeah. a it's an interesting <laughs> movie. It reminded me, it, not so much like, obviously what happens in it isn't the same, but they're dealing with a little bit of similar subject matter. Mm-hmm. And it was more like the presentation. Yeah. It just felt very similar, like how, how we're just kind of like sitting with these people a lot of times. It mm-hmm. just kind of felt like that, so... That was another thing I thought about, Jeremiah, is that you have said when we were talking about like licorice pizza, you... Uh, oh, was I a hypocrite at one point? Tell me. No. Oh, um, man. I just mean talking about licorice pizza. You said you liked licorice pizza, but you don't love that kind of movie most of the time. Yeah. Like that's the kind of movie you have to be in the mood for. Yeah. Where me and Randy are like, that should be the default. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the default movie. <laughs> it's just 
existing doing stuff. I mean, yeah, but when I when I've prepped myself to go watch a movie, yeah, I'm kind of down. F- I'm kind of down for whatever. But if I'm gonna like, if I know in advance what it is, I got to get myself ready for that movie. I say you, you, you know. should you should watch this again and just be ready. you're like <laughs> this is a this is a vampire tragedy. <laughs> Make my own cut with like. <laughs> Well, they have superpowers. There's a study on human behavior. Instead of uh, instead of wanting, they actually need to feed, and that makes everything okay. Oh no, I was wrong. It is. It's actually spelled like the month. So M A Y. Mm. Uh, this is the description. <laughs> it says uh, a socially awkward veterinary assistant with a lazy <laughs> eye and obsession for perfection descends into depravity after developing a crush on a boy with perfect hands. Oh, so um, that sounds sick. And it stars, um, yeah, Anna Ferris is in it, but the main girl is um, Angela Bettis. Taylor Corder just finished the movie. Did she really? Yeah. Also, what she, she say? Okay. She told me she was watching it today, and I just got text from her that was G-N-W-K-P-I-S-I-F-H-E-F-O-R-I-I-W-J-W-N. <laughs> <laughs> like, like super long. <laughs> uh, we're glad you liked it, Taylor. <laughs> I think, I think it is <laughs> a reaction. I think it was a positive one. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. You've been quiet for a while, Jeremiah. Did you, you like the music? I'm not trying to fight. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything? If you had to compliment the movie, the. the the girl's acting was not good, uh, but Timmy's acting okay. was so good. I agree with half of what you said. <laughs> Wait, which half? Uh, that Timmy Timmy's was acting great. was very good. Her acting was, look, watch, watch. See, I'll do half of what she did. What, are you ready? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't nominate her for an see Oscar. You can't see Jeremiah, but he's just <laughs> looking at the ceiling wide-eyed. Brain dead. That was literally half of what I saw her do in this I, movie. I liked I Here's the thing. I thought everybody in this movie did a good job. Uh, I particularly like Sully. I think that it's terrifying. And that yeah. acting was really good. And the um, two rednecks were very, like very creepy. Yeah. Very good. And uh, yeah, just because they were creepy doesn't necessarily mean that they were good. I, but I do think I mean, that they it's, were it's good, good at it's good acting unless people. they're creepy in real life. I will <laughs> say, well, <laughs> isn't that what acting is? Overall, I just mean like just because they were creepy doesn't mean like yeah, that was great acting because they made them super creepy. It's like yes, they're creepy, but there's like a richness to the character too. Yeah, that's what makes it. Good, I mean, but, I mean, yeah, but like believable and uh, you know what I was it, gonna say was I think with Timothy, it's like really some really good actors. Well, I think all really good actors like bring other people up with them. They like yeah. raise the bar essentially. They, they raise the skill level of others around still them. The girl. Well, okay. <laughs> they make everybody around them better. Um, I think Florence Pugh, we talked about this. I yeah. Think no matter what movie she's in. She just makes people around her better. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they're so good that you can see the gap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, fine. I thought the girl was fine. I didn't think she's definitely I think her delivery is different. But go watch but her in she's, Waves. She's, she's, she's pl- really I good. haven't seen her in Waves. Well, okay, then it's not. Then it's a choice. Then it's not that she's bad. I it's mean, just that okay, she's like she's leaning I'll, into I'll this. I'll completely like, say you cho- like whoever chose that chose wrong. 
Okay. I mean, that's, come across I, you as can good say that. Yeah, that's fine. She's playing into the whole, like, she has so many repressed memories. Like, she yeah. literally, the first thing she's like, this is the first time I've done this and remembered. <laughs> and we, we know that she's done it at ages where she should have remembered. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so it's like, ties into memories. So she was like, no, if anything, I would blame the director for that. Not her. She's a good actress. Mm. But if you come across, if, if I know you're good and the movie you see comes across as you being bad, I'm blaming the director. I think my my biggest thing with with Timothy was him when he was with his sister. Yeah, and I was like, oh, Timmy's really good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, this other girl's kind of like really like really, leaning she's into she's this. Trying. She's trying really hard with this this character here of this bratty little yeah. sister that not bratty but just like, man, where have you been? You know, it just was like, oh, okay, a little too much, a little too much. Just tone it down a bit. So that's funny. It's a uh, cut. And no. you <laughs> don't do that. Okay. And action. <laughs> I feel like we did have um, another scene with her, but I think Sully will eat her. I think Sully will eat her now. So. Okay. Well, the the assembly of this That's movie terrible. was like four hours long. Really? Mm-hmm. There's there's I mean, uh, that yeah, makes sense. There's actors in the thanks at the end that, that were cut out of the movie. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other cannibals popped up. I don't know. But uh, like, hey, smell Joe over here. <laughs> uh, Martin Scorsese's daughter. Was in it. Oh, I saw the thanks cut. in there. I was wondering mm. why that was. Because yeah. she was in the TV show he made. Mm. I forget. We Are Who We Are, I think. It's, it's something like that. It's a Kesha song. <laughs> okay. It's I, I don't. I haven't seen it, so I don't think it's actually named after oh. a Kesha song. <laughs> oh, that but, HBO show? Yeah. Ooh, I don't like that either. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like it's a story about almost nothing. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so in. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought Taylor Russell's performance was good, but it is a kind of performance that, I don't know. There's I like a fi- There's a fine line between... Do it. Uh, Blame the director. Do it. No. Say it's your fault. Director. Ha- well, why would I... No. <laughs> nope. Not going to do it. Like, what I was, I'm like, join hands with me. Well, He's like, mm, no. Because <laughs> I think it's good, but I think there's a kind of performance... I don't know how to explain it. There's like performances where you're like, that was so good. And then there are ones that you don't think about. I don't know. Which in, which in its own way is good is what you're saying? Yeah. There are choices okay. she made that I think you could not like, but I think are like accurate and on purpose, which you were saying is just the wrong decision. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was good. But yeah, Timmy is incredible. Another thing I was going to say, I can't think of his last name. Michael something. The overalls, uh, oh, hillbilly yeah. guy. Yeah, I try not to judge performances on how, like, the more recognize unrecognizable an actor is, doesn't make it a better performance. Sometimes, like it, it shouldn't be ignored, but it shouldn't be the factor. But if you've seen him in other, like, even a serious man, or how he looks and acts in Call Me by Your Name in this, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like you could, yeah, you could easily not realize that was him, mm-hmm. and he's just terrifying. Like Michael Shannon in Bullet Train, right? Or, yes, yeah. <laughs> or Timothy Tim Olyphant in uh, Amsterdam. Yes. <laughs> Randy at the end was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> or Colin Farrell as the Penguin in the Batman. Dude, yeah. I still feel stupid that I didn't realize it was Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere, oh, and oh, the, yeah. credit, the credits were going, and I was like. Who no. is she? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it was Lolly was like the auditor. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, 
now it's pretty obvious, but <laughs> it was her the whole time. I didn't realize it was always you, Jamie. Um, I want to shout out to uh, Chloe uh, Savigny. If I I don't know if I'm saying her last name right, but she's the one who plays her mom in oh, the yeah. mental hospital. I she's another yeah. actor who I am always like pleasantly surprised whenever they show up and stuff. And so I was like, hey. I think the scene. <laughs> it's you, it's I think you. the scene with oh, her. Oh, your mom. hands gone! Oh no! <laughs> Both your arms are gone. I could have oh, sworn okay. you had hands in real life. <laughs> <laughs> this, weird. I'm saying this as a compliment. The scene of her talking to her mom, <laughs> reading the yeah, letter, reading yeah. and standing by her mom. I think I was more uncomfortable than any of the cannibal scenes. Mm. I was unwell, <laughs> in a good way though. It's. Oh, I, was, oh, I was like, I hope she eats her. This is a righteous way out of this movie. <laughs> yeah, that was so mean. Was I mean, so mean. That's, Jeremiah that's told me he was hoping Sully would kill her, so the kill Marin, so the movie ended, quicker. ended quicker. Yeah. Oh, after she didn't die with her mom, I mean, just end it. Terrible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they were in love the whole time. Watch the scene of them sitting on a picnic blanket. It's beautiful. That song slaps too. That ending song is Trent Reznor singing. Mm-hmm. They wrote that song for the movie, and then had like tons of different people sing it, mostly female. And they couldn't find any <laughs> one that they no. Yeah, they kept they like Luca didn't like any of them. Not like he, he wasn't like that singer's I don't terrible. Like you but, as a person, <laughs> yeah, get he out. He, <laughs> he didn't. Out. He didn't think any of them were right. It's not that there was like bad singing. But he said he got an email from Atticus, and he said, you never get an email from one of them. You get it from Trent and Atticus, mm-hmm. always. Even if only one of them talks, it's from both of them. Mm-hmm. He said he got an email from just Atticus, and he said last night Trent recorded proper vocals, but he like didn't want to tell you, and he's like, so I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> and if you like it, then tell him. And if you don't like it, I didn't send this to you. <laughs> and so Luca listened to it and he was like, well, we found the, like, this is what we're using. <clears throat> nice. That's um, cool. There's a really cool podcast called Soundtracking where this woman talks to like composers and directors and music supervisors and people like that. Oh, sidebar. There's really great songs in this movie, just of the period, Atmosphere by Joy Division and Your Silent Face by New Order. I just did not see them coming, and both of them, when they started, I was like, yeah! <laughs> um, Real quick. When I worked at Starbucks, some guy came in with, like, a Joy Division yeah. uh, tour uh-huh. t-shirt, and it had the year on it. So I was like, I, I handed him his coffee, and I went, Joy Division. And I went, oh, that t-shirt's, like, 25 years old, huh? He went, oh, God. And he just turned around <laughs> and walked out. <laughs> I was like... Sorry to ruin your day. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I'm sure he'd feel great. Joy Division's last album's 41 years old now. So. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> he literally <laughs> like, he like died right? and like deflated as a person right in front of me and just turned around and walked out. That's really funny. Oh, there's an episode where she talks to Luca about this movie. That's really good. And he has um, his first few movies... He didn't want a score. Like, he scored them with just music, pop music or classical music and stuff like that, like soundtrack. And the studio, like, three different times came in and said, no, it needs a, a real score and gave him a, per, a composer. 
And he was like, and they were always lovely old men that made beautiful music, but it was like, but it was not, it was not what I wanted. And it was like, it was not the intention and it was like not the desired outcome. He's like, they were great at their job, but like he didn't, he didn't want them there and they were just kind of there because they were told to be. And so this time he was like, that now I'm going to do a real composer. And he got Trent Reznor. <laughs> and so he was like, so I still went to rock stars, <laughs> but they're rock stars with experience. Yes. <laughs> he needs to be like paired up with like somebody. Uh, yeah. His next movie is going to be Johnny Greenwood. He just yeah, like, he I know. <laughs> One thing I like though, is listening to whether it's like David Fincher and Atticus, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross talking about scoring movies or Paul Thomas Anderson and Johnny Greenwood. I like the weird, slightly ratchet, unorthodox ways they work to mm-hmm. score movies because to me they make more sense <laughs> as a not really rock star, but as a fellow person that plays music <laughs> in the vein of them, say musical background. It's like this makes way more sense. Why would you ever <laughs> do it a different way? So like Bones and All, Luca sent a cut completely musicless, like a finished cut of the movie with no music to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which they had signed on before they started shooting. They made 15 cues and Luca picked like three or four that he really loved and they listened to that while filming the movie. So then he sent them an almost finished cut with no music. And so the two of them watched it and started tinkering around and then he sent them. So he was like, watch this and get more ideas then he sent it to them with an I and an O in the corner, um, which is like I as music should come in, O as music should go out, as just kind of like, it was like loose, but like, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm thinking. Then he made a list of emotions and vibes with colors. And so then he sent one where he would have little color squares in the corner that were the emotions they wrote on the board. Mm or the vibes and he would have one or like two or three of them to kind of like bounce between. And so they just kind of followed that and took the pieces of music that he liked before they started shooting and applied that to the finished cut. And is like, to me, that just seems like one of the best ways you could do it. (laughs) That's crazy. I, okay. So that's that's one of the more frustrating parts of, of filmmaking for me has been, Working with composers, yeah. not because the, like the people are great, mm-hmm. but it, there's like a for me there's a huge gap in communication. Yeah, like in and how we how we speak or mm-hmm. or how my description of something is translated by yeah. composer and then how they take direction and things like that. So that mm-hmm. that relationship is really difficult, and I think that's obviously you have some you know wonder pairings where it's like oh we just get yeah. each other and it just happens. But I think that might be the case for a lot of people is that it's mm-hmm. just like, it can be difficult to communicate really from one profession to another. You know, mm-hmm. you, you always have to use simple terms and then that is frustrating for the expert because they don't really know, like then they have to kind of guess at what you want. Mm-hmm. And, and so like that gets, that can be difficult. I'm so thinking, but I'm I like something that. happy here. Exactly. The something ba- no. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I think I'm wondering if like, that is a really good way to communicate stuff because I have resorted to uh, not saying, oh, I want something like this song or like this track or mm-hmm. whatever. I've resorted to, I want to feel this way. Yeah. 
and that's my best mm-hmm. way of communicating because it's like you know how a feeling is mm-hmm. so i'm gonna just tell you that instead of like saying i want something with like you know because i don't know how to speak to to composers yeah on the same level as they are when it comes to music and so mm-hmm. i have to talk to them a different way but i like that i like that yeah. a lot i wonder if that was i wonder what trent and atticus like, did they say how they, they thought they about it? Yeah. Okay. Because it went, I was like, oh, was that nitpicky for them or like too specific? <laughs> and like, maybe. I mean, as someone who has scored things, not really, I've made music for you, but it was less scoring a thing. Yeah. I think it would make it easier. Mm. Like, the more specific it something is, the better. Because, like, I don't know. If you want to make music, that's like, this is the, like, if you're trying to express yourself as an artist you go make an album of your own music. You're there to do what the director wants <laughs> if you're scoring something or like the person in charge of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like they hired you for a reason, not me, <laughs> but whoever. <laughs> I'm just a person there. But <laughs> if you hire Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, you want them for a reason because yeah. of the way the music they've made before and what you know about them as people. You want them because they're them. Yeah. But the more specific you can be in what you want from them, the better they can just do what they do. So that's good. Yeah. Another like cool way is with uh, PTA and Johnny Greenwood. Johnny makes temp music for them to edit to. Mm-hmm. So instead of having temp music that he redoes, he gives them demos. They're filming the movie and he's making demos based on the same script and like seeing dailies. Mm-hmm. Like they send him dailies and he watches what they're filming and comes up with temp music as they film. So by the time they're editing, they're editing to demos that Johnny made. And so they can chop and splice up the demo all they want, and he's not going to be mad Mm because then they just send it back, and he's like, okay, we'll record it that way when we do the real thing. So they finish the music and then record exactly what they (laughs) edited to the movie but that's a lot that's a lot harder though because that requires uh one of an excellent composer but not just someone with a lot of skill but someone who Mm -hmm. knows that director yeah well to be able to sort of like okay this is i know you're gonna you're gonna want this Mm -hmm. everybody's doing beforehand twice as much work it seems like well i mean sometimes that's what it takes but like that's just a yeah you're not gonna get that with everybody but that is really cool though um i want to we're kind of going we're going longer now on this one, so I wanted to say, is there anything that, any last thoughts on the movie that uh, before we head out? Or? <laughs> the, like, third to last shot. We've spoiled a ton. Major spoilers. Oh, yeah, we, we do. The end of the movie. Intro, so. free, starts, free Polaroid hit us up. <laughs> the end of the movie. Sully's dead in the tub. They realize Lee has been stabbed. Oh, and then he's like, eat me. And she's like, no. And then she eats him. Uh, and then beautiful song is playing and before the last shot where it's the long zoom in of mm-hmm. them sitting on the, on the like hillside or, yeah. yeah it's just like shots of their empty apartment mm-hmm. uh in different spaces we've seen after they've like everything's just gone now mm-hmm. like it's been cleaned up it's been like it never happened uh lee's pearl necklace or like not pearl it's like a shell necklace the necklace he's been wearing is under the bed and I almost cried. <laughs> but I was sitting by Jeremiah, and I didn't want to be made fun of. So yeah. I, I quickly <laughs> resigned. You know Jeremiah, Robbie's, I'll make fun Robbie's of you. very intuitive. <laughs> He's like, I know this guy. He's like, this are you crying? <laughs> I was going to say. I basically <laughs> cried like half the podcast for freaking 
quiet on the Western Front. Oh yeah, we did. Oh, and I the- cut out all the parts where Jeremiah made fun of me. So. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, I was gonna say on the way to uh, on the way to Atlanta for Thanksgiving, I was like, I'm bored, mom, and I was driving my mom. I was like, we're gonna listen to this. Uh, we might get a little preachy and just deal with it. She <laughs> she loved it. Yeah, and, uh, that's good. And I, but 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 she got to the part where you were crying. And she was like, "This really hit him really deep." And I was like, "Yeah, it did." <laughs> I actually listened to that podcast with my mom on a road trip. Also, oh nice. Um, she slept through most of it, <laughs> yeah, which was not. So, wake her up. No, was, no, no, no. <laughs> she liked what she heard, but uh, it was like late, and I was loved driving it so and, much. Fell asleep. <laughs> yep. Um, what I was gonna say though is just a handful of things that I wanted to talk about is the uh, the necklace thing. There's just subtle filmmaking things I liked, like Sully's van when she gets <clears throat> to the. I yeah. guess like was it her adopted mother? Yeah. Can we, okay, let's talk yeah. about that. That was that freaked me out. Like yep. how they showed it, like they show you but don't show you yeah. that they're being followed. Uh huh. Like there's all those like. They show her in the foreground, and then she like walks out of frame, and then the, the they rack focus to a house in the background, uh-huh. and it's like yeah. that was weird. It's like an establishing and you don't think shot, about it, yeah. But she's in focus, and uh-huh. she leaves frame, and then they go like focus yeah, infinity, and the and van like, is there. But I didn't realize it was his van at first, because I don't think we that, no. we don't know it yep. has a van. We just know yeah. oh, there's a house with a van. Okay, that's yeah. weird. And then they're in the house, and yeah. they're just sitting there talking, and there's like an awkward pause. You hear a and car you, crank. You hear the car crank, and then. The van drives mm-hmm. by really quickly, and I was like, "That's the van from the house." Yep, that means something. <laughs> I was like, "Who? Well, you even, yeah, van is that?" I mean, you wonder if it's dude like coming to get her. I wasn't sure who it was. I yeah, thought maybe it was see, another and one. You see the that van? Like, oh no! Well, I was terrified. Lee left her when, yeah, I, the, car well, when the car cranked. I mm-hmm. thought, yeah. yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's yeah. What I when I thought when I saw the van at first. Yeah, I was like, "That's not their car." <laughs> well, I thought, okay, this must be. I didn't think it was Sully. Yeah. I just, I for whatever reason, just thought, Someone's "Oh no, Sully's done." Me. I thought it was another cannibal who smelled them or something. But oh, because at that of the point, way, I literally they, thought it was like FBI. If FBI, okay, yeah, like they finally were catching on. <laughs> then we're actually in Thelma and Louise, and it's gonna be <laughs> a movie that I thought it was gonna be. So. Yeah. A roller coaster of sound design in background yeah. images. It was great. I loved that part. Oh, but the necklace made me think of the just from a costume and production design standpoint and there's like di- a lot of different details that i like of uh like the way lee dresses is the movie may you were talking about the way she picks the her favorite mm-hmm. hands and eyes and ears from different people he's kind of doing that with clothing in the stuff from like he eats someone he goes to their house and he just takes the clothes that he likes kind of thing or like the car he likes um, like they get attached to that truck, even yeah. though they just, that's the truck that was, they have opportunities to get other cars. But like, oh, no, that, like yeah, one. that wasn't his truck, was it? it was no, the, it was the guy's truck. It was the guy's yeah. truck, but then they really liked it. <clears throat> yeah. So the way he dresses is like, he has all these very random things. Yeah, it's all other it's, people's stuff. Probably. Some of it, yeah, some of it's yeah. like, it's not all like men's clothing either. And mm-hmm. it's kind of androgynous, but it's like just the things he picked up randomly. So... Um, also there's a fun, the books that Marin is reading throughout it are interesting. There's a book called cannibal at one point, or is it? Yeah, I think it is. But then she's reading like Lord of the Rings. There's one book she <laughs> there's grabs. There's one though. weird one called the Hobbit. Or <laughs> this is something I never would have caught, but Luca just talked about it in an interview and it was really funny. There's a book on the counter 
1998. There's a book written by someone. I forgot her name. Joan Didion or something, maybe. There was, she had a book that came out way earlier, but there was a movie adaption of it that came out in 1988. And so the woman, the woman's house that Sully takes uh, mm-hmm. Marin to, that book is on the counter, and then Marin takes it, and we see her reading it later. And Luca was like, so my thinking was, this older woman who like lives alone, she's probably just like reading and watching a lot of movies because she has nothing else to do. So she has this book from when it came out, and then the movie's about to hit theaters in nineteen ninety eight or nineteen eighty eight. So she was like, oh, "I'm gonna read the reread the book before the movie comes out." And so it's like just sitting on her like kitchen counter mm-hmm. with the bookmark like halfway through it, and it was like the fun. That's detail. the best. <laughs> like no one would ever. Yeah. Ever think of that? <laughs> but yeah, but it adds richness. So oh, for sure. Like that's yeah. All right, Jeremiah. Uh, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening. This has been a fun episode. Um, yeah, I think most of us like this movie. So uh, uh, about know. about sixty six percent of us. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, we hope you uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Um, this is about movies. <laughs> Desert power. Desert. <laughs> yes. Oh, right.